Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Are You Talking R.E.M.? Re-me. The month of June, always fun. It is extra special for us this year because we are celebrating Earwolf Pride all month long. We hope you'll join us by getting Queer Wolf and checking out some of our shows that you may not know about. You can listen to intimate conversations and interviews on shows like Homophilia, Query with comedian Cameron Esposito, and Getting Curious with the one and only Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye. Or you can laugh your face off while listening to live stand-up on Put Your Hands Together and getting the perfect combination of political and pop culture hot takes on Throwing Shade. Those are all great shows with people I love. Uh, celebrate Pride Month with Earwolf and listen to our favorite LGBTQ plus shows now. Subscribe to Query, Homophilia, Throwing Shade, Put Your Hands Together, or, and Getting Curious, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. From chronic to collapse, town and into now, respectively, that is, this is Are You Talking R.E.M. Remy, the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things R.E.M. This is fucking good rock and roll uh, music. Uh, fucking oh, good. Just fucking good. Rocking good. Fucking good rock and roll uh, music. Oh, music. Welcome back. We're doing it. We are doing it. Um, today we'll be talking about the album Up, 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 Up. We'll be talking Look about up that. Here. Look, Look up, up here. Look up here. Look up here. Look up here. Oh my God. Did, were you a Three Amigos fan? I am a Three Amigos okay. fan. Okay, good. That. I'm glad that it never waned for oh, you, no, speaking I- of David Wayne. I went uh, with David Wayne to see it. You did where? Uh, when we were little little kids, little boys. Yeah. How old were you? As a little, you must have been okay. It came out when I was. It was it came out nineteen eighty six. So oh. you must have been twelve or so. I was thirteen when that. Movie and you came out? and you knew David Wayne. I think? No, no, no. no, no, no. Okay, you're. But done. I did go to see it probably four or five times. Yes, I and did. Every time I went to see it, the theater was almost empty. <laughs> yes, I. The first time I went to see it, the reels were out of order. <laughs> And oh so, <laughs> and and that's the type of movie where it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So we saw like real one, two, three, five, four, six, okay. I sure. think. And around, uh, we saw five and I was like, huh, something's a little strange, but I don't really know. Yeah. And then we saw four and I'm like, hmm. I feel like this is out of order somehow. Yeah. And so then I went back with my mom in Arizona, weirdly enough, when I, mm-hmm. where I was spending the summer. I was like, I saw the funniest movie. You got to uh-huh. see it. And and I was like, I think the reels were out of order when I saw it. I just want to check. And of course they were. Yeah. Um, That's so funny because I was on a ski trip with my dad and my stepmom in Tahoe or something. And I brought them. I was like, you got to see this movie. Right. So I also saw it in two different locations right. as a 13-year-old. <laughs> there were very few movies that I felt, especially comedy movies, that I felt like I could take – my mom right. too, and that she would actually like. Right. Pee Wee's Big Adventure was one in 1985, mm-hmm. and uh, Three Amigos was another one. Yeah. And uh, so funny. But look up here, if you're wondering why we're talking about it, is uh, from one of the funniest scenes of Three Amigos, which I believe I saw on the David Letterman show, that clip, 
the uh, the caca caca yeah. look up here look up here I saw that and that made me say okay I definitely oh, need, I need to, to see, see this, this movie yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I remember bringing my dad to see it and seeing him like laugh uncontrollably really like beside himself wow with and I remember which joke it was it was the mail plane you see the little oh, balls yeah. on it and how Chevy <laughs> Chase the one? just doesn't get the joke right it, he he pretends it's so long yeah, he, he yeah. pretends to get it and then still and then pretends again like right. it's a really long that, the Three Amigos has great comedy scenes that are um, three times longer than they should be for sure that are great so because great. they are have you seen it lately um I don't think so. It's, we should uh, it's worth a look. we should check it out. We should do a I believe podcast I believe I have the maybe the Blu-ray and I've watched the deleted scenes, but I haven't watched the whole thing lately. Yeah, it's it's strong. We're talking about REM on this show exclusively. <laughs> exclusively. Let me introduce us. Uh, I of course am. Um, I mean, I had a TV show. School now I. I don't really have much going on uh, other than Scott. That's not true. But I mean, you know, used to be people were knocking down my door to interview me about whatever projects I had. Scott, Scott, what's going on? What's what's up with your career? God, lately? get away from my door! Um, now I have uh, uh, this podcast. That's around uh, about it. Um, my name's Scott Ackerman. I'm one of the hosts. And across from me, he's wearing a Franz Ferdinand-ish uh, horizontal stripe. Oh, I like that description. Uh, it's not a scoop neck, but it definitely has horizontal stripes. And he has uh, freshly shorn hair um, that's sort of asymmetrical in a way. Kind hmm. of kind of very 80s look today. Yeah. From our from our uh, co-host here, um, he is uh, uh, primarily known as uh, the character hmm, Adam from Parks and Rec. What's his name? Sure, Adam. Whatever, uh, he's known as name him. Adam from Parks and, and Rec. And I refer to him as him because he is a separate person. Of course, from me. of course, the character. Do you think I he's play. living? First of all, that is an alternate universe because some of yes. it was set in the future. Yes. That whole last season was set in the future. It was set, I believe, in 2017. Oh, okay. So it was so they didn't, now the past. They did not get um, a lot of it right, I have to say. Well, there was – what what were the things? There were like technology things. Technology things. Yeah, certain right. phone things that never came to pass. They well, did was, their best. It was only a three-year jump, so it's like what are you going to – so, yeah, I, I don't remember what the things were, but you're right. There were things. There, I, unfortunately, they uh, did not get the future Way right. Way off the mark. You oh, know? man. Has there ever been, you know, a lot of times uh, they, they set a, 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 a movie or a TV show in the future, a few yeah. years in the future. Has there ever been that got it exactly right? That's interesting. Uh, Is it? a good, uh, good question there, uh, Scott. I would say yes. Okay. And I would say the only movie that ever really got it right mm -hmm. was uh, Godfather 3. Godfather 3, definitely. That was set in 2049. That's right. And, and we know that they got it right. And we, yes, of course, we know. Uh, Adam Scott is here. Hello, Hi. Adam. Hey. 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 Adam, I... You know, it's only been uh, yeah. a week since listeners heard our last episode, no, but, but I feel like it's been a long time since I've seen you. It's been a, a, a while. As yeah. they say now, it's been a few minutes. Yes, it's been uh, 60 seconds. Uh, uh or uh, how about uh, 120 half seconds? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to stretch it out. Um, what have you been up to? Oh, gosh. Uh, Scott, you know, little of this, little of that. 
Okay. Now, I know what you're talking about because you acted it out when you said that. A little of this, a little of that. Yeah. uh, When you said a little bit of this, you acted out like uh, a cooking demonstration. Um, And then when you said a little bit of that, you were hammering uh, as if you were in your garage. Um, So you've been been cooking a lot and you've been uh, in the garage doing special projects? Well, I've been building ovens. So I'm in my garage building the thing and then I bring it inside. I cook. And then I d- dismantle the oven. And You're just one sell of the, the parts. world's uh, best oven makers. Thank you. What is what goes into that? Well, it it just got to be hot, basics. right? It has to it has to be hot. And when you build an oven, you have to start with scalding hot parts. Right. Otherwise, it won't. Otherwise, connect. it's never. Look, it's never going to get hot. And if you're the never going to know if it hot. works. Yeah, exactly. How hot do you like your ovens? Three hundred degrees. Um, not on very the hot. Outside. Oh, on the outside. Yeah. Wow. Uh, These things seem dangerous. They're extremely dangerous. Uh, you cannot touch them, even so. You have when kids. Off. You have kids at home. What do you do? Do yeah. you set up like little orange cones around the oven? I don't. I just let it kind of let let it flow. Let it just whatever see happens, what happens happens. You right. know how else are they going to learn unless they touch the scalding hot oven? Exactly. Yeah. Both of my children are bandaged head to toe, <laughs> but not because of the oven. <laughs> no, no, but it's, you, you don't like looking at them, right? No, 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 no. Have you seen any concerts or anything? It's uh, almost summer concert season. I got to tell you, I I uh, uh, pass by the Hollywood Bowl a lot getting yeah. to and fro. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people going in to see Paul Simon uh, the last yeah. couple of nights. You, I, uh, I drive by that place just about every day as well. Mm-hmm. And I see shows and I'm like, how do I not hear about any of this stuff anymore? <laughs> you got to look up online. <laughs> I it, guess so. I it used don't. to be you would look in the paper like the LA Weekly. Right. That's and there would, would be full out. page ads or whatever. Right. And nowadays you have to actually go to it to see right. it. Right. Um, Paul Simon, did, do you know anyone that went to see that? I think Tim Heidecker must have gone. I, oh, Tim Kalpakis, uh-huh. I, I, I think definitely went. So it was because good. he took a, a picture on Instagram of, he was sitting behind Randy Newman, oh, I wow. think, watching. And so he took a picture of Randy Newman watching Paul Simon. Wow. That's the kind of Instagram uh, content that he loves to put on. <laughs> Love it. Um, uh, but no, I, I uh, um, Kulop, um, my wife, I don't know if you know her. Um, yeah. You do. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? Nothing. Why'd you say, oh? Keep going. Keep going with the story. No, 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 no. But let's back up a second. Why do you say, oh, yeah? Because I know- You waggled your eyebrows up and down. I know Kulop. Yeah. Pretty well, right? What is that? You just waggled those eyebrows again. My I have a weird thing with my eyebrows. Oh yeah, right what's now. going on? Are you oh, all right? God. I had to go to the eyebrow doctor yesterday. The eyebrow like, doctor. Yeah, what? Yeah, it, yeah. Okay, I like, didn't realize there was an eyebrow oh, doctor. I got really bad news. He was like, like a browologist. Yeah, um, and he he told me I, like I I need to really really exercise my eyebrows as much as possible when I'm talking. Oh, okay. Otherwise, they're gonna fall off. Oh shit! They're yeah. gonna fall. Not off. just the hair, but the skin. Right the actual all the of hair. the skin. So it would just be like a layer of the yeah. below the the epidermis. It peels off. Oh no! If you don't move them a lot, so I, I apologize if. I oh, that's right. that would that would be yeah. terrible as an actor. I mean, eyebrows yeah. are the only thing that tells anyone, well, the, the viewer, how the actor is feeling. That's right. I went to my agent right after that, and we talked, and and we calculated, did the math on it, numbers, and it was, and it, it's forty six percent of my acting is eyebrow work. It's just eyebrow work. Yeah. yeah. So I can't. This can't happen. And the other fifty four percent is pointing, right? Pointing with my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, needless to say, it's important that I 
keep these guys uh, yeah early. in tip top shape yeah, yeah, I, yeah so watch when you watch Big Little Lies or something else mm-hmm. that Adam's in Krampus or something mm-hmm. um, you got to watch for his eyebrows and watch for his fingers keep 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 your keep one eye on the eyebrows the other eye on fingers and that occasionally you're going to cross your eyes yep. and it's going to be painful but you got to do it to enjoy the movie that's why whenever you see like a super like a pretty close close-up, like, uh, what do they call it when it's this close? Yeah. Extreme close-up of your yeah. face. Yeah, e- e- ECU. I always get my fingers in there. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. So, and that's why, if you watch that uh, Guillermo, uh, Guillermo, how do you say his name? Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, that. Filmmaker. Uh, yeah, you know that film where he's like, uh, uh, the, the dude. Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth, yeah. where the guy is like, he, he's putting his fingers sure. up to his yeah, eyes. yeah. That's because he's like, that guy's the ultimate actor. Oh, he's, he's so good. He's so good. He's so he's good. He's so fucking good. Hey, speaking of this guy, let's listen to how do you, how's it feel when it, when you're in our Oh, yeah. Again. I haven't yeah. listened to this it This is a song today. that means a huge amount to me because I wrote it when I came out of a very bad, a very dark period. How does it feel when you're in our EL? How does it feel? The best, so good. Engineer Ryan, who is that again? Who does, did that? I can never remember his name. Jordan. Turn up your mic if you're gonna talk. Jordan Cooper. Jordan Cooper. Jordan Cooper. It's brilliant. Brilliant. Good stuff. Check out uh, his other music. Um, As the girl that Scott went on a date with in high school would say, that was brilliant. <laughs> College, but they College. <laughs> I did not go out on any dates in high school. No dates in high school. First, guys. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we got to get to some mail. Um, Boy, do we. Some wonderful mail. Uh, Alex Rice. Alex Rice from Excelsior, Minnesota. Inter- Excelsior. Is, is that True Believers? Kingdom? I don't know. Yeah, I guess he, he must be king of this kingdom. Sounds like it. Uh, Alex Rice sent us a nice little note and several vinyl records. It's so cool. Like, so generous. Yes. He sent us uh, from, uh, by the way, I want to say he, but I don't know whether Alex is a he or a she, so I'm so sorry. Uh, they sent us uh, a, uh, a, a, a like six records from their personal collection. Uh, first of all, to you... Uh, <coughs> excuse me, sent you the the one I love, uh, 12-inch single, so because great. it has Maps and Legends live from McCabe's, and sent me the uh, Fall on Me 12-inch single, um, because that's uh, one of my favorites. Uh, and then What's uh, the B-side on that one? Uh, let me check. That is, oh, it doesn't say on the outside. Interesting. So you'd have to be buying this blind. Mm. Um, might just be a promo. I'm not sure. Let's see. Fall on Me on one side, Fall on Me on the other. Interesting. Yeah, just a promo. Um, and uh, then also sent us the vinyl of Reckoning. And uh, then uh, uh, sent a vinyl of Document. 
and uh, sent some singles, uh, some some uh, 45s, Can't Get There From Here, and also Stand. And I made you take Stand. And, and I made you take uh, <laughs> Can't Get There From Here. <laughs> but we split up the, the LPs as I'm well. I'm taking Reckoning because I cannot find my vinyl of Reckoning and gave you Document because I have my vinyl of Document. And so, I think Document is one of the great works of the 20th century. And you can go around listening to Exhuming McCarthy all you want on oh, that. Oh, yes, I can. Funk. I can force people to listen to Exhuming McCarthy when they visit me in my house. Let's hear a little bit of Exhuming McCarthy, by the way, um, just because I feel like it's come up uh, so much recently. Um, This is Exhuming McCarthy from Document... Why do you think the typewriter is in there? Hmm. Did you ever use a typewriter, by the way? No. I used to write on a typewriter. That's how I started writing. It's really hard. Yeah. My mom did, so it's comforting to hear a typewriter because I would go to bed and hear her working late at night. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. Funky, funky. Funky, funky. I don't mind that song anymore after hearing it it's so It's the fucking best. I don't think it's the best. Um, yeah, I used to write on a typewriter my plays oh, uh, wow. yeah. that I did. And, and like, you know, 120-page plays sure. uh, writing on a typewriter. And then um, – It's a lot of work. <clears throat> it's a lot of work. And then uh, in a, around 94, 95, they, they came out with these like uh, uh, computer typewriters um, that would store it would it had a little tiny screen. I remember those, and it would store up to about twenty eight pages. That's right on it, and it would save it, and you could print it out. But then after you finished twenty eight pages, you would have to delete it. Right. So you so you would get those twenty eight pages as good as you could get them, print them out. And then so the continue. You would make the corrections as you go, yes. and then print it out. Before that, it was always see a wide few out. lines at a time. You could only right? see a few lines at a time. Yeah. They were, it was just infuriating. And then finally, around ninety-seven or so, got a PC. Yeah, and that changes everything. That changes everything. Although, uh, <laughs> the, like you know, the story of Final Draft. Okay, so if you're in the screenwriting business, everyone uses Final Draft. Mm -hmm. And the reason everyone uses Final Draft is because the creators, it's not the best program out there, Mm -hmm. but the creators of Final Draft did something very smart, which is they sent it for free to all of the studios. Right. So the studios now say... You okay, have to give use it. Final you draft. have to use Final Draft because that's the free thing that we have that can decode whatever file you're sending us. So everyone uses Final Draft now, but except for when I was working on this script with uh, my former partner and Bob Odenkirk, up in this is like 98, 99, 2000, we were using something called Scriptware, I think. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it had bugs in it where we, there was one particular bug where we wrote. 10 pages, and then it erased everything that we had written. Jesus. And so we rewrote the 10 pages, pressed save, and it erased it again. And this happened oh to us five times. We rewrote Why the pages from memory. Final draft? Because we had. Because that's what you had. That's what we had. Yeah. You know, John August came up with a new script writing software that's awesome. Who's John August? A writer, a screenwriter. He wrote like Go, and he's great. But he came up Go. with a. Uh, uh, a screenwriting software that's, it's, I forget what it's called, but it's awesome. Really? Yeah. I got to check this out. Yeah. 
Okay, will do. Um, now I'm just used to uh, Final Draft. So I know, I'd... but it's kind of it's yeah, anyway. better than that. Um, by the way, Final Draft, we're willing to have you sponsor the show if you, <laughs> if you want. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, Alex uh, Rice, who writes to us, says that they uh, love the show and uh, also uh, their friend Seth – and they started their own podcast, Springsteen Song of the Week. They've been going for two years and 115 episodes. That is a good idea. That's a really good idea. So uh, check that, that out, and I'm going to listen to that myself. Thank you so much, yeah, Alex. Yeah, thank you. This is so nice. So nice. So nice. Um, I also want to say that uh, someone on Twitter, Nathaniel – oh, gosh – on my iPod, it does – oh, no, Nathaniel Woodward at StubHubby on Twitter sent us uh, their own different sequence for uh, Fables of the Reconstruction. Oh. And uh, I've noticed not too different, but uh, – Not too different from – Oh, no, not not Fables. Sorry, not Fables. This is New Out Adventures? of Time. Out of Time. Oh, okay. Okay, so Different sequence for Out of Time. Out of Time, yes, because Where? of us talking. So uh, – he first of all he starts with uh starts with radio song uh the demo Round our ears basically trying to get rid of the KRS one uh, I can hear it basically feels the same way that maybe I did where the KRS one rap is a little Distracting. Uh-huh. Um, then goes to losing my religion. Same so far. Same as, so far. Yeah. Then goes to it's a free world baby. Yeah, I don't know about that. Basically, trying to get rid of a couple of the songs that are a little harder to get into, and putting in the two discarded ones that Peter Buck likes. Wait, what did he get rid of? I low. Don't know. Figure it out yourself. Then your wild heaven. Got rid of low. Then fretless. Okay. And then shiny happy people. Okay, so we got rid of low. I think it's the same from here on out. So you just got rid of low and end game. And put in fretless and. uh, I don't think that works. (laughs) Of course you don't. (laughs) You are the most cantankerous. Well, well, (laughs) it's a free world baby is is awesome, but it's a little. Undercooked, like yeah, but I think those two songs are very undercooked. The ones that uh, he took out. Anyway, I will I don't want to get into another argument with you because it's, it's because out of we're, time. we're yes, that's your whole point. Every single time we talk about yeah. a different sequencing is it is what it is. No, I, I we resequenced um, all that you can't leave behind. I think we improved on upon that. <laughs> yes. Don't you think? Yes, I do, okay. and I think every time I resequence something, I improve upon oh, it. Yeah, I, that's absolutely not true. <laughs> well, we'll maybe see a little later in the episode. Um, <clears throat> we're talking about the band. Um, um, the Doobie Brothers, right? The Doobs. Good old Doobs. <laughs> do you like the Doobie Brothers? I do like the Doobie Brothers. I love the Doobie Brothers. Have I ever do played? Do you really? Yeah. Okay, me too. Have I ever played you? Let, I have this on the iPod. Let me look for it. Um, there's a there's a band. I, it's not even really a band. It is a, a like a guy who um, records under the name Self. Do you know Self? No. Kind of a uh, bigger in the '90s, but also came back recently with a song. But uh, he did never heard of Self. Self. Um, he did a whole album using. Um, 
uh, children's toys, all like children's musical toys. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, called Gizmodgery. Uh-huh. Um, and just kind of an interesting album where every single instrument used was like a children's like xylophone or something. By the end of the album, are you pulling your eyes out of their sockets? And it's, I mean, it's an interesting experiment, yeah. but I, there, I, I do want to play one song for you. This is uh, the only cover on it. This is uh, What a Fool Believes. Oh, this is great. <laughs> I take it all back. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. I love this. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's funny. When I was, like, peak Doobie Brothers, like, in high school or whatever, mm-hmm. like, I, I discovered them. The Michael McDonald songs, I would always skip. I was like, oh. Really? Yeah. But it wasn't until a couple of years ago, I was like, wow, these are the fucking jam. Michael McDonald is great. Amazing. But I loved, like, Long Train Running and Blackwater, of course. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. They had some great stuff. Do you ever see, uh, did, I mean, when did they stop doing, li- I don't know that much about their history. I never when saw did they, them. Yeah. They still tour. Yeah. Michael McDonald uh, was and, and Kenny Loggins on a recent song by. Let me find it. Um, by a modern artist, they both guested. Um, uh, I can't find it, but uh, a great, a great huh. modern uh, artist. What is his name? Uh, Doug Freeborn. Doug Freeborn. Yeah, great song. Um. We're That's ta- great. Who is that again? Self? Uh, self. So yeah. Good. Self has uh, uh, some really good. Uh, in fact, let me play one other song by Self, not a cover, so you can get a little taste of what. This is around 96 or so. Yeah, it sounds like it. Some good stuff. Um, We're talking about... So who are we talking about? Um, We are talking about... um, What were we talking about? We're talking about a band. Oh, did you hear... There's a new Parquet Quartz? Yes, I do have that. Yes. Do you want to hear a little bit of that? Yeah. All right. I will find that. Um... I saw, you know who I saw uh, the other day at the Hollywood Bowl is LCD Sound System. Oh, God, I missed that show. With the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. That, I heard that was a pretty great show. It was great. Um, LCD is, I mean, just so good. No one better. No one better nowadays. Um, I'm just, really bummed I missed that show. Why do you, well, now, why do you think you missed it? I just, I haven't, I've been. You've been working? working. Nights. Yeah. Here's uh, the new Parquet Quartz single, Wide Awake. This reminds me of LCD, actually. This is the, yeah, the, the beginning. Yeah, yeah. LCD Sound System, by the way, going to see their show. I kind of feel like it's the closest that you'll get to seeing the Talking Heads back during. That's exactly what. Stop I was, making sense. That's what I was gonna say. Like, I feel like I missed the Talking Heads show. Yeah, because someone was showing me photos from that night from that show who was it who went was it your wife <laughs> no 
gosh, who was it? <coughs> anyway. Um, speaking of the Talking Heads, uh, did, did you watch any of Coachella when it uh, – the live stream? No. The way you don't you, – no. like it's it's – I used to go to Coachella – and hate, hate the experience yeah. now, being as old as I am. Yeah. Uh, but the live stream, uh, the past couple of years, I love it. You just like uh, reserve the whole weekend and you just like, I sit there and I watch like- It's a good idea. Ba- I wouldn't even think to do that. I just skip around the channels and yeah. I watch any band. But um, And it was great this year. The Beyonce show was yeah, like, yeah. you know, next level. But um, David Byrne. Uh, saw his set, and uh, you should uh, uh, check out his show when it, uh, when he comes out here. Oh yeah, um, I definitely want to go see David Byrne yeah. because um, it's really interesting. They basically every single musician has their instrument mobile and strapped to them, even the keyboards and the drums and everything, and they all do synchronized dances every That's single song. Cool. And it's really really cool, and they're all doing like arty interesting. We should go. Things. Let's go see him. Let's go see him. I, yeah. I think it's in August or something. Great. I would love to go see him. Um, That's one that Naomi cannot get behind. Like, yes, the whole Talking Heads thing with me. She's like, no. Cool Up actually likes she likes does. him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, she, when I told her about it, she was very interested. So uh, let's go. That see was them like one of my big bands, and growing yeah. up was Talking Heads. Yeah, I definitely. mean that is like they are just a monster. Yeah. Sorry so for saying that. Oh God, damn it! Why are you? I'm doing sorry. This? I'm sorry. I was referring to them as they are the frightening one. No, no, they are. I, they're the scary one. They are hugely influential and a giant among ah, giants. Sorry, I'm God. sorry. Ah, ah, ah! Who are you, Jack and the Beanstalk? Ah, ah! Wait, that scares you? I'm afraid of beans. <laughs> the musical fruit makes you toot. The more you eat, of course. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about um. <clears throat> band, I have my notes here. Uh, Doobie. Was it Doobie Brothers? It wasn't the Doobie Brothers. Papers. Papers. A lot of good paperwork. R.E.M. Talking about R.E.M. And we're talking about their... We talked last week a lot about how... Daryl Strawberry left the band. Big turning point for the band. And this album, did you watch the documentary, by the way? What documentary? The, the one I told you, you you had to watch before Up. Oh, shit. Really? What was it? it it's did called, you send it to uh, me? Falls to Climb, yes. I <laughs> sent it to you. You sent it to me? I mean, a while back, I said yeah, you yeah. have to watch this before Well, this up. is the problem with our scheduling is... <laughs> Like, we're just about to record the Up album, and then three weeks go by, and I, I forget. I, I watched a lot. Uh, I watched the MTV thing. I read the book. I've, so you didn't see, like, their Tibetan Freedom Concert experience? We talked about it last week a little bit, and I read about it, and, um, okay. yeah, so I know I know, I know, know a good deal about it. Um, so we talked, we talked last week about how um, Daryl Strawberry quit and um, is no longer in the band, and um, let's Bill talk— Barry. Let's talk about— What'd you say? Bill, What'd you call me? Bill, I called you Bill Fuck Barry, you. bro. <laughs> Fuck you. Let's talk about, um, let's see. This uh, this album, uh, Up, comes out uh, October 26, 1998. Yep. Yep. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. You, I can't believe this is 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Let's talk about uh, what... Uh, Last last we spoke about our personal lives was 96. 
Yeah. Um, when um, New Adventures in Hi-Fi came out. Hi-Fi. Um, what's been, what's going on in Adam Scott's personal life in between, um, hi-fi and up? Well, this is 1998, fall of 1998. I had just met and started hanging out with, uh, my, uh, my, my lady. Really? Yeah. Where did you, where did you meet? We met, um, in Los Angeles. And okay, you got to be a little more specific. Well, than that. I was in a play, and she. <laughs> what play? What play? It was called Dealer's Choice. <laughs> what? What are you laughing at? What are you laughing That's at? That's just the quintessential, like. No, it was a legit. Like it was a. No, I'm sure the it taper, is. And I'm, Patrick yeah. Marber wrote it. It's the guy that wrote Closer. Okay, okay. I'm just saying. But, yes, it's the I, quintessential I, like play title. Of, I know. I know. It's got. It's got. Energy. It's a metaphor. It's a poker. Kind and of believe me, there's a lot, lot of that going on. And who, there's who, these long poker scenes uh, that just <laughs> go on really? for so long. Wait. So it was at the taper. It was at the taper. Which I the the, the uh, you know I used to work there. I don't know if I ever told you that. at the taper. Yeah. Really? Uh, in their warehouse. Doing what? <laughs> like in their prop warehouse. Were you just like giving blowjobs? <laughs> It was basically you'd give out the address, <laughs> and I was open from pretty much ten a.m. Sure. to you know just ha- past midnight. A lot of happy people down there, <laughs> shiny happy people. Mm-hmm. Um, no, back in ninety, remember when I lived in Azusa in that weird yeah. condo? Yeah. Uh, my roommate and I we worked at the Taper. Um, they were moving their prop warehouse from one place to another, yeah. and. Um, they wanted to also sort of uh, uh, get rid of a lot of stuff in it. So it was basically just like a lot of sweeping, yeah, move, putting stuff on trucks, and were you throwing guys like, stuff away. One day, the taper. Because, no, but I, I'm serious. Like, yeah. as theater students, the taper, it's mm-hmm. like in Los Angeles, like – one of the like almost like Broadway ish. Yeah, it's the houses. it's it's really it's the place. one. Yeah, the pan the, really the Pantages is now where a lot of touring places yes. go, like Hamilton. But at the time, it was the place to go see theater. Yeah, and My, the um, not the um, the Amundsen <coughs> next door is that the that's the other. The place. Amundsen is is where the big big shows big go. Musicals. Like I saw Spam a lot there. Sure. But um, my friend, uh, that my roommate, um, he 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 worked for the taper, and he brought us in t- for this like summer long job. Yeah. But he, um, inter- interestingly enough, um, back in 1990, I believe, he was t- he was working for the taper, and he was like, "Hey, um, you know, I'm I'm working behind the scenes of this play." Um, where I'm like the uh, the stagehand, but I'm also in it because they need an extra body because, you know, like some of the actors aren't available. So like I, I dress up as an Eskimo at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't see my face really, but I'm in it occasionally. Mm-hmm. But you should come see it. It's like a really good play. I was uh-huh. like, oh, okay, I'll come see it. And it was at the, what they called the Taper 2, which was oh, right, yeah. you know, that little oh, tiny yeah. space. I did shows there as well. Okay, so I go see the show. This is in the summer of 90, I believe. I go yeah. see the show at the Taper 2 that my friend is in that he says it's really good. And it's the, literally the best play I had ever seen. Uh-huh. Um, 
it's three hours long and oh. it's called Angels in America. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, holy fucking shit, this is the best thing. And I went to see it three times over the summer. You just kept getting yeah. me in. And this was at Taper 2? 99 seats. So yeah. they were just throwing it together? It like, was the first production of it, wow. I think, yeah. and they were just throwing it up and yeah. it had like these amazing actors. And he was he was the Eskimo when um, Harper is like feels like oh, is hallucinating. Yeah and, yeah, and he's the Eskimo like, yeah. uh, you know, playing Joe. Yeah. He's supposed to be Joe, but yeah. he's about the my friend is about the same size as Joe. Anyway, it was just like and I was going around to everyone saying, You gotta see yeah. Angels in America. And I went up to acting school. That was right before I went up to acting school. And I was like, yeah. Angels in America is like the best play. And they're like, All right, all yeah, right, sure. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so good. Yeah, I, I did you go see the Kentucky cycle when it was at the no. paper? That was also like a two-night thing. Like you go for three hours one night and three oh, hours okay. the next night. It was pretty incredible too. I remember Tom Hulse directed <laughs> that. And they were – I think they were re- rehearsing it while we were up on – like putting up dealers. So toys. how do you – how do you – because the last we talked, you're like in some apartment with a bed sheet covering right. the window. <laughs> right. How do you – Move to LA and then become an actor who's appearing at the taper and the taper two and all that. Um, I think between that's um, not a word. Yeah, I try I, you, try again. Try you again. know while I was like going and be doing you know guest spots on Boy Meets World and mm-hmm. doing all that stuff and living in a shitty apartment. All while I was doing that, I was also keeping busy doing these little readings down at the taper two. And where you would go and read a play for like five days and then put it up on its feet like while a staged you're all, reading. Yeah, while you're all holding scripts. But there's sets and wardrobe and so I did And a, you're holding each other's scripts sometimes. Yeah. It's like, hey, can I hold yours? And you're yeah. like basically it's a game. If you ever go see one of those, it's a game to see like who can hold the most scripts. Right. And, and sometimes you're standing there and you've got Three scripts on each hand. Yeah, and sometimes it's like a stack of 20 that you're just like in your arms. And if you can collect all of the scripts by the end of the show, the show ends and and you win. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have a couple of those trophies from holding the most scripts. (laughs) Right. But doing that for a while, I kind of like was around. And so when the auditions for Dealer's Choice came, I had kind of – I've gotten to know. Do you remember the audition, like what the audition was like? Was it just doing a scene from the show? Yeah, yeah. Or doing a monologue? Play. Would you no, ever do no, a monologue? No, no, no. It was a scene like from the play, the, the dealer's choice. Um, so, but getting a part in, at the taper was a big deal mm-hmm. um, at the time. I used to go see, like, I remember I saw, uh, actually, I had season tickets with my mom, and my mom and I would go, and half the time I would we would walk out. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> at intermission because yeah. the shows were like yeah. not that great. Yeah. I remember there was a Christine Lottie show uh-huh. that I saw there, like an Al Pacino show. I, uh, I yeah. saw Al Pacino. Huey? Yeah, I think I it saw was Huey. Huey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a one man show. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they were great. Yeah. I loved that, that Eugene <laughs> O'Neill play. Right. And then sometimes you'd go and it would be like, oh my God, this yeah. play is, n-, you know, sure. I mean, of course. It, it plays in general or they're not all going to miss. Yeah. Um, a lot I was like not, uh, baseball games in Los Angeles. Sure, you miss some, you hit some. Sure, um, I was not particularly great in in the play, and I'm not just saying that like false modesty. It, I really wasn't. I was not really ready for it, but it was good for me to have that experience. Right, right. Um, and but, how, yes, and how did uh, Naomi? Naomi figure, she came to see the show. Um, and, Got all hot and bothered. <laughs> and she's like, wow, this guy's really mediocre. I need to talk to him. Um, 
And then we'd like chat at the party afterwards. How did she get into night. the party? Yeah. How, how is, what is her connection? She to was the show? a friend of a friend of someone else in the play. Um, a friend of a friend of someone else. Another actor in the show. <clears throat> I see. Okay. Um, and so then, uh, so then we kind of, so that was like the spring of 98. And then, so by the time Up came out, it was like, like the new REM album coming out with the new version of REM right. was a huge deal for me. And so I and was really like sweating the details. You're nervous. When this thing comes out. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had to go do a- You're go, sweating right now. You just wiped, yeah, literally wiped have, sweat from your I brow. Am, do you have a towel? Yeah, um, here, let me see what I can get. Oh, is that a paper towel? Yeah, just paper towel. But like printer paper yeah. we're using as a towel. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, there, it's gone. So, so yeah. So I remember, like, I had to go. I went and did a indie movie in like Indiana Missouri. Jones. Yeah, and on the plane, I got to listen to up full through for the first time because it came out the night before. I went and got it at midnight, and then I had to get on a flight in the morning. On a disc man, or how were you a disc listening man, to it? Yeah. Okay. And I remember listening to it on the flight and just going like, "What the fuck? This is crazy so, because it's so different." Did and. And does Naomi, did you? I bought her a copy as well, so she would have one while I'm off on location. I'm serious, I did that. uh, She was like, thanks. thanks. (laughs) Okay, you're going to want to listen to this a lot while I'm on location. Listen to what I did. At midnight, I went to Virgin. I bought bought, uh, two copies of Up, one for me, one for Naomi. Then I bought the special edition with the like special box and packaging. You know how sometimes- <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah. Why so not I, give her that one? Because I wanted that for myself, but I wanted her to have a copy. And I also wanted the copy that everyone else would be, like, <laughs> I was into it. <laughs> That's like Kulop and I used to go buy the Harry Potter books. We would each buy a copy because- uh-huh. We wanted to re- and we would Read, buy at midnight oh, at the same time. At the same like, time, yeah. and we would be in bed, literally uh-huh. reading them at the same time. How long would it take you to read an entire book of Harry Potter? Um, I'm <coughs> excuse me. I'm actually a pretty quick reader. Um, I could read it in a day usually. If if one of those big yeah like one of those seven hundred page yeah yeah because I can I can, I can so wait use- this whole time that we've had this like Harry Potter runner for like four years yeah. You've read all of these books. Yeah, I used to be really into them. I, I basically, when the third one was out, I read about them, and I got I got the first one and loved it so much, yeah. and read those first three in in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and then so then and gave them to Kulop and said these are amazing. She read them, loved them. Yeah. So when that fourth one came out, um, we went to get it at midnight and yeah, stood yeah, yeah, in yeah, line yeah. and all yeah. that, and then basically like. Did that for each subsequent release, and I remember one of them. It must have been like five or six. They sold out before we could get it at midnight. Oh fuck! And then I just went to Tower Records at nine a.m. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, like yeah. right when they opened and bought, and they had a million um, of them. Oh, that's I had no idea that you were actually like. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, we were super into it. I don't. They I don't, are great. I just have only read the like the first three. I, you kids. almost had Voldemort, and I was very yeah, sorry. I would very never. scared. I would never. Um, so, 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 and and so Naomi gets her own copy. How long are you gone? Uh, it was like a month, I think, or Mm -hmm. something. When do, by the way, when did you first, do you remember the date that you first started seeing Naomi? 
Uh, or the well, month? Yeah, I do because, well, I know the date that we really like met, which was May 31st, which is the closing night of this play. That's how I know that it was. We May, always knew the night. May 31st yeah, May of 1998 was yes. when you met. Yeah. And then you, how did you, uh, do you mind talking about it? How did you like say, hey, we should hang out again or? Yeah, I think we just, oh, boy. You're both I don't drunk. I totally remember. You're, no, both, we, you're both like almost barely conscious. We really, we, no, we really weren't. We just like chatted at this uh, at this party in like someone's backyard or something. I think like we went out like a couple weeks later or something. So mm-hmm. you know, it was like the that summer really is when we started like really right. hanging out. And so at at uh, and I have to ask this. Yeah, and please. If I'm getting too personal, please mm-hmm. let me know. Are you exclusive? By the time of uh, October 26, 1998, are you, you, you guys are together? That you're, for sure. For sure. Great. Oh, we are 100 like Flint. I, I mean, I, I, and I was also doing Party of Five at this, like, right. I think in like August I started doing Party of Five. I did like some episodes of that. So, And we've talked about your uh, Party of Five experience. We did. <laughs> oh, the oh take, yeah, yeah, yeah. The take that you ruined. Like, Fired essentially <laughs> yes. for being terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point in 1998, Adam Scott is still a terrible actor. Yep. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, Naomi sees some some promise in him, and uh, they become exclusive. Um, and uh, what a wonderful! And how long are you gone uh, on location at that like point? A month. You're gone a month, and so she has this album a month. How many times would you estimate she listened to it? Oh, God, I have no clue. <laughs> Half <whatsoever>. the time? <laughs> like, maybe once. Maybe. <laughs> Did you keep checking in with her? I do remember talking to her on the phone and being like, I just I can't believe this. Like, <laughs> Pat McCarthy. I remember saying to her once, I'll bet you anything you two is like, we got to get Pat McCarthy in here. <laughs> And she was like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> I I love patience that. The patience. The patience she has woman. for you. Oh my god, I love it. Yeah, I love it so much. Um, all right. So then, then my story. What's going on with Scott Ackerman, nineteen ninety eight in October? Are you guys doing Mister Show yet? Yes. Okay. So that's that's what uh, since ninety six the last. Last we left off, I'm I'm uh, just started my. This is exciting. We're both like starting our careers yes. for reals. I uh, in 1996 when we left off, I I had started doing comedy and I was in a relationship with my previous relationship. Yep. I had it, just broken up and was. It was a real bummer. Started a friendship with her that would last uh, approximately three to six months or something until it was like this is too hard. Really let me toxic the, friendship. Let me get the fuck out of here. Sure. Um, and then I uh, had dated around a little bit. Uh, actually, I had I sort of had a girlfriend in '97 um, that uh, I was sort of on and off with. And then in '98, very similarly. Okay, so in '98, uh, I um, in '97 I had I had been doing a comedy job for MSN. Dot com where it was like a daily topical news show that uh-huh. I had to get up at five in the morning, drive out to Santa Monica, uh, be there at like six in the morning, read all the newspapers, read the news stories of the day, and uh-huh. then write jokes about them. Uh-huh. And then we would record at like eleven a.m. and put it out around noon. Wait, record audio and audio put it out streaming? It was it was a weird show where they. It, it, 
animation on the web at the time was very simple, so yeah. you could do slight movements. So they would put it to our character designs. Like I was the sports guy. I would record the sports jokes we did and put it on these rudimentary uh-huh. character designs. And so it's sort of streaming, but very, you know, simple movements. Yeah. But it was mainly audio, you know. So it was almost like podcast-ish. Yeah. It was it was basically podcast with a little bit of visual, but it should have just been podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was doing that with, um, like, Karen Kilgariff and oh, um, Bill Dwyer and people. Um, so that ended – the show got canceled around, I would say, September of 97. And then I went on unemployment – which is the greatest thing right. of all time. I mean, unemployment, if you can get it, is is so good. Right. And then around, I would say, February of 1998, and by the way, Bob Odenkirk kept saying like, hey, buddy, we're doing another season of Mr. Show, and I want you to be a writer on it. And yeah. like, it's going to start. You know how like when you're in charge of a show, it's going to start, but you yeah, don't know yeah. when, and, and you think it's at a certain point, and then it ends up yes. being months and months later. Like – he just kept saying, like, yeah, I should know this week. And then it would never happen. Right. February, I believe, of 98, um, the week my unemployment ran out, Bob finally called and said, hey, so we got it. You're going to start next week. And was this was this the second Fourth season? season. Fourth season. Fourth season already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, when did it start? 90- so it started in 94. Five or ninety six? No, it started. Well, I mean, they sold it in ninety five because I saw the shows. Yeah, where they sold it to HBO. So then they they filmed they filmed the first season in ninety five. Wow. So and then I was I on. Feel like it, it was later than that. I was on it off and on, like for the. F- I was I was in the second season. I did the Jeepers Creepers yeah. thing. Uh, and then I almost wrote on it in the third season, and then they ended up. Um, I remember I was hanging out with Doug Benson and. Uh, and Brian Posehn at Brian Posehn and Dave Rath's house all the time yeah. in the summer of uh, 97. Yeah. And Brian was working as a writer on the third season. And he kept like on a Sunday, uh, we would be swimming in the pool and he would get a call. Hey, you got to come into the office and write sketches. On <laughs> Sunday. He, yeah, on a Sunday. Like they were under the gun. And so yeah. they were like calling me saying like, hey, we may need you to write some stuff. But then they ended up working it out. Yeah. So, but but for the next season, they definitely needed people. So That so, must have been exciting. Very exciting. The whole reason that I wanted to do comedy was was that and Andy Kaufman, was Mr. Yeah. Show and Andy Kaufman. So to to finally, you know, when Bob had been sort of sponsoring me as a performer, he would, yeah. he would come do all of our shows. He'd do a part in them or he would introduce them. He would like, if he was just coming to see, he'd go, hey, can I come up and introduce the show? And He's so great that way. Very so generous. Generous with his time with, with mm-hmm. young talent. Like, so incredible. amazing. So he was doing that and really fostering um, me as young talent and then finally decided to uh, take the shot. I remember uh, David did not want me to be a writer on the show. Uh, really? And uh, told me that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like halfway through the season, we had a check, like all the writers had a check-in. Yeah. Um, about how they were doing. And he was like, David was like, well, obviously I knew you were going to be amazing. And he's like, ha, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I did not want you here, here, but thank God you're here. (laughs) Um, so it was, um, like David and I became close, uh, after that. But, um, yeah, so, so like pretty much February or March started doing Mr. Show. Um, and then was taping in the summer of 98 and concurrently with you, uh, met my lady in the summer of ninety eight. In the summer of no ninety eight. Mm-hmm. 
That's crazy. Just met. We didn't start dating. Yeah, yeah. But she came to a taping of uh, episode 404, um, which had the uh, episode the, or the sketch, The Burgundy Loaf, which I wrote. Oh, God uh, damn. And I was in it. I was a waiter in it. Yeah. And she saw me in it and was like, oh, who's that? And then I talked to her at the, the Cat and the Fiddle afterwards. Yeah. Uh, the whole cast and everyone went to the Cat and the Fiddle. And I ended up talking to her. Yes. You were there or what? My story was augmented for simplicity to be, tell it to make it simpler right. to easier to tell mm-hmm. but before she came to see me in the in the show the play we had met briefly a few nights earlier at the cat and the fiddle really and i said to my <coughs> friend who was also in the show i said ooh i i want to i want to talk to I want, that girl i want i want that girl <laughs> and he said oh i know her friend and i was like no way and we walked over and we introduced they got introduced us and then Naomi immediately was like I'm going home and she just bailed <laughs> so her, hi I'm Ada I'm going home yeah essentially so her coming <laughs> to the play was because of that meeting oh. she was like oh we'll just I'll bring her to see you guys in your play so cat and the fiddle connection here yeah in 98 right around the same time yeah that Amazing. was like the place yeah that was the place everyone went. And, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we we she <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> Kulop had just uh, moved here from Minnesota yeah. in '98, um, and uh, uh, I uh, had a tangential connection to her roommate, which is yeah. why she came to uh, see a taping of Mister Show. Yeah, so we just met. Yeah. Uh, saw each other a couple of times, just purely like, oh hi, and I, I remember going like, oh she's cool. Yeah. But we didn't start dating for another until '99. But yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting. So we That's both crazy. met our future wives. So we, do, did you guys like slowly become <coughs> like best friends? Did it happen? No, that no, way, no, 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 no. We didn't become like good. For, like I remember. Actually, I want to look this up. Ryan, can you look up when the movie Blade came out? We. Oh yeah, that was '98. We went to see the movie Blade on opening night sure at did. Universal. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> And interestingly enough, like, I find out much later she's terrified of scary movies Uh and was sitting there frightened Uh out of her wits. Yeah. But um, do you have the date here? Uh, Yeah, it was August 21st. Okay, August 21st, we go see Blade together with another person. In 98. In 98. And I'm convinced that uh, she is interested in me. Sure. And I don't, and I don't think she is. <laughs> she was not yet. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I think that she was into some dude um, that she knew once she moved to California. Yeah, she was like, re- she was like really into this dude. Yeah. Who yeah. knows who this guy is? Um, we did not start dating until she called for my roommate to invite him to her birthday party. Uh-huh. And I was there. Uh, I was the only one there. And I ended up talking to her for like two hours on the phone. Yeah about stuff yep. and I was like hey I think we should go out on a date and she was very confused by that she like hung up the phone saying like I think I got asked out on a date yeah. I was, and I was very clear about it yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like yeah I am should. asking you on <laughs> yeah. a date but she was not used to that sort of forward yeah I think she was used to like everyone kind of trying to come yeah, at it from a side go, go out with a group of 15 people and try to bump into each other yeah you know it's like no just be very direct and say yeah. hey we, I think we should go out on a date yeah 
uh, so so pretty much in '99, that's when we started. So you went to see like the Phantom Menace and the Matrix in like the <laughs> spring of '99. We, I think we did. I'm sure you did. <laughs> remember that? Remember going to see the Matrix and just being like, "This is this changes everything. This is incredible." And then like two weeks later, Star Wars comes out, and you're way more excited about Star Wars. And then it turns out that Star Wars is terrible and the Matrix, and the Matrix is, is good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw this, that Star Wars Phantom Menace. Like, I, I, w- I was on the phone. I remember I was working at Mr. Show because I think we were doing the movie in 99. Yeah. And I um, – or we were editing. I can't remember. And I was, I was on the phone, like, redialing, trying to get tickets uh-huh. to I'm opening from movie night. Phone. Yeah. From movie phone. Hello. Welcome to Hello movie phone. Welcome to movie phone. So calling movie phone over and over, trying trying to get tickets, and finally I got some tickets for opening night, and then I ended up getting tickets for the following morning just in case I couldn't get the ones yeah. for opening night. And so I saw it two times within the space of 12 hours. So did I. And the first time I saw it, I was like, this is good. This yeah. is really good. Yeah. A, a great sequel. Yeah. And then the, in the morning, I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I still think sure, this is really yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a couple I mean, things, but you know And then I saw it a few days later, I was like, this is fucking garbage. I saw the first time I saw it. It was at Skywalker Ranch for an MTV special screening two weeks how did before you, it came out. How did out. you get to, to do that? Uh, uh, Rudd invited me to go because he got invited, and so the we Ant-Man went up there. himself. Yeah, so it was like all the like young stars of the time were there. It was like like who? Um, who was it? It was like I remember Seth Green, Katie Holmes, because it was like mm, Dawson's Breck Creek. Meyer. Yeah, I'm sure Brecken was there. Um, Ryan Reynolds, I think, was there. Um, Ryan but he, Reynolds, but he was on Two Guys in a Pizza Place at the time. Like, right, it was right, right. That kind of uh, Schwartzman was there. I remember really, and but he was like, wait, sixteen or something. Yeah, because Rushmore, Rushmore had just come just out, come out. Oh wow, the the Christmas before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember meeting him, and he was with his mom, <coughs> Talia Shar. Yeah, I don't. I'm but friends with him. Now, yeah, yeah, I don't think he remembers uh, that, but I don't, I don't, you know what else I don't think he remembers is when he and I met, which was uh, Bob Odenkirk and I went to go see Built to Spill play at the Virgin Megastore, yeah. Um, and I suddenly noticed that Jason Schwartzman was standing next to me, uh-huh. and I just started talking to him about it. Yeah. I was like, these guys are fucking great, yeah. And he's like, yeah, man, these these guys are amazing. And I think he – I f- got the sense he was a Mr. Show fan because yeah. I think he was talking to, to Bob or something. Yeah. And he ga- he was like, you know what? I have tickets for them at the Roxy tonight, but I can't go. Do you want them? Oh, that's And cool. I was like, yeah. And so I took his <laughs> He was like – 17 or 18, and it must have been weird because Rushmore came out, and then suddenly every, like, person who thought they were cool in the world wants to talk to this 17-year-old kid. right, yeah, it must fuck you up. Yeah, um, but I guess it didn't because he's— Because he's, like, the most normal dude. Yeah, (laughs) Um, Yeah. but anyway, so it was—and it was two weeks before it was coming out, so we Mm -hmm. were the first people in the world to see this. Wow. No review—nothing had been out about it. Right. And so this is the audience who who is going to be more excited than any— Than any—yeah, yeah. And we go to this big— Beautiful screening room at Skywalker Ranch. And I've never down. been there. Sounds we are amazing. the first people to see this movie. And after the like opening crawl, 
everyone's, it's confusing, but everyone's like cheering and freaking out. And after that first- Wait, like, what is this about? Trade wars? Yeah. What is happening? After the first like scene, it it was the same thing. Like everyone's like, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. And little by little, you could feel <laughs> a sense of, but no one, there was not one person saying this was not a good movie afterwards at like the party. Right. But there was this sense of sort of- Unease. Yeah. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. It was a weird vibe. I like the Darth Maul fight, I guess. Yeah, but you never, why is Darth Maul bad? Like you never I don't know. quite, nothing. I don't know. We could talk, you know what? I mean, like people, I, I started thinking about this the other day because there are people upset about the solo movie and people upset about the last one, you know, and it's like, now that I'm the age I am, I was so upset about the prequels when they came yeah. out. Yeah. Me too. But now I can't imagine being upset about a Star Wars movie for more than five minutes. Right. But also it's like, you want to be upset about The Last Jedi? Try watching Phantom Menace again. <laughs> yes. Last Jedi is a, a yeah. awesome movie. I, like don't, a, I, I don't understand why, how Star Wars can be so important to people and uh, and, and they – and uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to Did you see Solo yet? Uh, by the time this comes out, yes. Oh, okay. I haven't, I haven't, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's what we were up to in 98. The, so uh, you you were prime REM listener. I was not uh, oh, yeah, you aware were of it at all. completely out by this I, point. I believe Ebo the Letter had made me go, oh, okay, REM's boring now. I yeah. had not listened to Hi-Fi. When we come back, we're going to get into Up – and we're going to go track by track and see what we think of it. Uh, see, first of all, what Adam thinks of it uh, back then, what he thinks of it now, and what I think of it now. We will be right back with more Are You Talking R.E.M. Remy after this. Hey, everyone. When do you want to start paying less interest on your credit card debt? What, a year from now? Two years from now? It doesn't know. No, how about today? Today! You can do this with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Lightstream rewards consumers who have good credit with a a great interest rate. And look, there's no fees. Get a credit card consolidation loan from 5.49% APR with AutoPay. You could save thousands of dollars in interest, and the application is 100% online. You can even get your funds as soon as today. That's right. It's pretty amazing. My listeners get an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. The only way to get this discount, okay, is to go to lightstream.com slash R-E-M. L-I-G-H-T, light, S-T-R-E-A-M, stream, lightstream, dot com slash R-E-M. Really exciting men. We think that's what REM stands for. Look, I'm confusing you. It's lightstream.com slash REM. Now, you're subject to credit approval. The rate includes a 0.50% auto pay discount available only when you select auto pay prior to loan funding. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com for important information about limits on Lightstream loans and same-day funding. Lightstream! Welcome back. Are you talking to R.E.M. Remy? I also wanted to shout out, um, 
Athens native Tim Kelly, who's been writing reviews of this show on, I believe, I think I've been seeing them on Facebook, but R.E.M., the band, R.E.M., has uh, tweeted about them, but uh, they're pretty funny reviews and also um, had uh, the last couple uh, were uh, uh, very touching, I felt. Very, very touching reviews. Um, okay. We're talking about the band. Uh, I didn't need to read those. They're, it sounds like Yeah, you do awesome. need to read those. I just, I need to learn how to read. You don't know how to read? Let me Not test. in the traditional sense. No. Let me test you. Okay. A, B, C. What's next? D. Correct. Thanks. Very good. Very good. Okay. So okay, I know so how to read. You know how to read. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're good. Cool. Cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, we're talking about the band Hari M, and we're talking about the record Up. Their um, first of five albums as a trio. As a trio. Um, would this record have been better if it had been called What Up? Hmm. It's a really great question. Uh, what Up? R.E.M., What Up? Well, you know what I think. I think if it was called What Up, Bro. Mm-hmm. What up, bro? What if <laughs> R.E.M. comes back? Like, okay, the new we're album, a trio now? Our new album is called What Up, Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Would anyone? I, I mean, mass confusion. Mass I'm sure. confusion. So would they think like, so Bill Barry is the one who like is the good, yeah. like the person... He kept like, it all together, <laughs> title-wise, because this is weird. It is crazy that New Adventures comes out in 1996, fall of 96. Two years later, he leaves the band. Two years later, they have a, a new album. Two out. years is a long time, though. You're like, right. Compared to like like people like us who put out millions of episodes of TV shows, they're like, come on, two years. Like for, if for my money, I think people should put out albums every like no, two months. We're talking about like how often bands put out albums now, like every yeah. four years. Oh, I know it's ridiculous though. Like but, look at Prince though. But this is also like the band essentially breaking up and reforming, and they have a new album in two years. In two like, years, it, it is shows that they were really determined not to let this thing fall apart. Yes. Now, should they have let it fall apart? We don't know yet. We will be getting to the record very, very soon. Um, do you? Uh, uh, obviously, you you are listening to it on your Discman on a plane to where were you going again? Uh, Missouri, I Missouri, believe. and what were you filming? A movie called Winding Roads. So people can watch Winding Roads. And I'm not a, sure they if they can <laughs> or not. <laughs> so it's, it was never released, or I actually I'm not sure. Interesting. Really not sure. Okay. Uh, do you remember what character you were playing? Um. What's the name? Uh, the character. I, I don't remember. The you don't remember. Name. Like what you were doing? Do you remember oh, yeah. the plot? I, or? Yeah, it was a group of friends um, and like romantic entanglements. Mm. And you have any. Uh, I mean, great, really great writer director named Ted Melfi. Any smooch scenes? Uh, yeah. Who, who are you smooching on? It was uh, Katrina Bronson. I don't know who that yeah, is, but. She's uh, terrific. 
<laughs> That's your kiss style, by the way. Oh, wait. Is, is this an episode of What's Your Kiss Style? Yeah. everyone welcome to what's your kiss style this is scott and this is scott and we're just talking about kiss styles right now scott and, uh, i was just talking about mine what's your kiss style what's my okay here's mine okay that's nice it's a nice that's one that's nice feels good i bet it does for the other person <laughs> for me, it's a it's a lot, and for me, it's the aforementioned Mwah. <laughs> almost as if you're an Italian chef blessing ah, a meal. Yeah. <laughs> a pizza ravioli. <laughs> so when you kiss someone, you say pizza ravioli every time. Mwah, pizza ravioli. <laughs> All right, this has been what's your kiss style. Bye. <laughs> Good app. Yeah. Maybe one of the best of that particular podcast, which oh, is not a good podcast. Top five of that of terrible that show. that terrible, terrible show. Okay, so you, uh, if people watch that movie, if they can, they can just imagine uh, Adam at the conclusion of every scene. At every edit point, you can imagine Adam rushing over to his <laughs> to disc his man, disc man. <laughs> to try to, to make sense of this record. That's right. Um, I personally uh, was very excited to listen to this because I think uh, we mentioned uh, for new adventures. Um, I don't. I. I. This. We're entering a stretch of albums that I have no connection. To, yeah. That I don't know anything. New about. adventures being the first. New adventures being the first. Like I had at least listened to several of the songs off Monster, several of the songs off Out of Time, uh, several of the songs off. Uh, uh, automatic. Uh, automatic, but these are albums that I yeah. don't know anything about, sure. and so uh, very excited to listen to this record because very pleasantly surprised by uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi, yeah. how much I liked uh, a lot of the songs. Um, similarly long to New Adventures, this album is 64 and a half minutes long. 14 songs. 14 songs, So, but uh, going into it, I'm uh, excited because uh, that was similar to Hi-Fi, and I've, I figured... Uh, now, is this like a few minutes <coughs> shorter than Hi-Fi? Yeah, I believe Hi-Fi is the longest album, or, so it's like somewhere around... Yeah. Okay, all right. So uh, this is the first real uh, uh, evidence we have of, as they call it, the three-legged dog, yep. um, which comes from a quote, I believe Michael Stipe said, where it's like, even if you cut off one of, uh, or, or a dog has one of its legs amputated, it's still a dog. And it needs to learn to walk again. It, yes. Uh, this is the first evidence we have of the three-legged dog, now known as R.E.M. This is the first song on the album. This is Airport Man. Or Airportman, I guess. Airportman.
kick it. <laughs> Starting it off with a bang. Uh, <clears throat> so more is, of a statement. Yeah, a, this is what we call a, a table a setter. Yes. Uh, the lyrics, he moves efficiently beyond security. Great opportunity awaits. Airport fluorescent, creature of habit, labored breathing and shallow skin, recycled air, moving sidewalks. Great opportunity blinks. Um, yeah, more of a, uh, this this seemed to me that when I was listening to it, like, oh, okay, they're trying to say, hey, we don't have Bill Berry anymore. Yeah, it's a definitely a, this is what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember listening to that, just going like, whoa, oh, it's, okay, here it, we go. Yeah, it's a little like, um, it kind of feels like fitter, happier. Uh, yeah. From from uh, OK Computer, and this is pre Kid A too. Uh, pre Kid A, yeah. A lot of people, by the way, have said that this is sort of the link between OK Computer and Kid A. I don't know that I agree with that, but um, well, but, it's a lot of these <gasps> sounds on here as we move on mm-hmm. through the album. It's at the time it was like, whoa, like people were <laughs> not doing this yet. I, I can only imagine every single person who bought this album and played it on an airplane yeah. was just in unison said, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, it has this sort of like uh, <clears throat> pre-programmed organ drums, you know, the And a lot of like vintage Casio-like keyboard sounds. Yeah, Casio kind of stuff. We should say that this is the first R.E.M. album where the lyrics are printed. The lyrics are printed. Apparently, Michael Stipe showed them to Mike Miller, and he said, oh, wow, these are great. You should print them. And so it's the first time. And at this point, why not? You can tell what he's saying. It is crazy that you did not watch Falls to Climb before we recorded this. Why? I'll watch it later. Because it is about the recording of this. Yeah, I know everything about it. No, you don't. Why? What did I say wrong? No, you didn't say anything wrong. I'm just saying for the overall, you're not getting anything wrong. I'm just saying for the overall vibe to understand the difficult birth of this I album. read I read the book and I I read a lot about it so I so I I know a little bit about it okay. basically they had a very difficult time recording this album in the sense of they had all these songs written uh right when uh uh, uh Daryl Strawberry left the band um they had a whole bunch of demos and songs written so they didn't break up um and then they get into the studio and basically their recording process before Bill leaves the band is that Peter Buck comes at 10 a.m. with uh, Bill Barry and they work on it until like the guys who like to get up a little later get there in the afternoon, right? right. Now, Peter Dollar Bill is there as the only guy right. who's there at 10 a.m. and he has some of his buddies from Tuatara yeah. there. Barrett Martin, Joey Warnicker came in to play some drums. This is a little later, though. This is after the Tibetan Freedom concert. That was the first time he played with them was the Tibetan Freedom concert, Joey Warnicker. No. That was his trial by fire, the the Tibetan Freedom concert. Well, they were all, okay. So in any case, they're all there, and basically Peter Buck just runs crazy with this record, uh, and Mike... Mills comes in and everything's kind of already done a little bit, and it sounds like Tuatara, and he's he feels uh, apparently, according to this book, that Peter Buck kind of took over the record a little bit and turned it into something that he didn't really know if he was if if he was behind. Is that pretty much what we're talking about? Well, I think generally, 
from what I've gathered, Peter Buck and and Bill Berry were more of the let's just lay it down and 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 play and it, put and a bunch of stuff it, in. and put it out. Yeah. And Mike Mills and Michael Stipe are more the let's let's sit hang with out it. in the studio and fiddle and get some different sounds in here. Mm-hmm. And so now that Bill Berry was gone, it was an imbalance in the band, yeah. and so. Figuring out how to write and record. That's why a lot of these songs you'll notice are a bit longer. Yeah. They're um, trying to figure it out. They don't know what they are as a band without Bill Berry. Yeah. And at certain points, Peter Buck seems to take over the record. And then at certain points, they say that Mike Stipe kind of shanghais the record because he is sort of the final say. He puts down lyrics at mm-hmm. the last minute. Mm-hmm. And months will go by where they say, okay, it needs to be done by July 3rd. You'll have it all done by July 3rd, right, Michael? And he's like, definitely July 3rd. he had like writer's block. He had writer's block when they were in Athens. Basically, they recorded a lot in San Francisco. Everything seemed to be going okay. They take it to Athens. He gets writer's block. Yeah, and in the middle of making this album, which they are trying to figure out how to make an album with this new configuration, they have to go – do this Tibetan, Tibetan Freedom, Freedom concert. concert. This, this comes, had, this comes like uh, sort of in the middle of the process. They have scheduled the Tibetan Freedom. Well, concert. they committed to it when they were a four piece, right? A couple years before. So in, but in the middle of the process of making this record, it suddenly comes up, which totally takes them away from the making of the record for a while. Uh, and th- so they go, and they are. Under rehearsed. This is where Joey Warunker gets the call to, hey, do you want to play drums with REM for this show? He's already going to be there with Beck. He's Beck's drummer, uh, also the son of Lenny Warunker and the the brother, I believe, of uh, the the person uh, in the band The Like, who was a, a great sort of power pop yeah. band. Um, he gets the call of like, oh, okay, can you do this REM show uh, at the Tibetan Freedom concert? He, They only give him two times to learn these songs. They only play, they only yeah, they don't have twice. time to rehearse. So they are under rehearsed. And the, the reason you need to see this documentary is you see them go out on stage and they giant bomb. stadium and they decide to open, they open up. with this song airportman. Yes. They decide to open their set as a tr- the new version of REM with airport man. So this song that this you just song. listened to starts up and they, they haven't walk put out. it out yet. No one knows. No it. one knows what it is. They walk out. They play airport man. People are thinking it's like I, I, some reviews are like, is did they open with a Tibetan sort of dirge? It's, it is. And it breaks my heart to say it. It is more like the scene in Spinal Tap where they come out and, and say, do the I jazz odyssey. Like, <laughs> I hope you like our new direction. <laughs> right. Then than I would ever care to see in real life. And I, I, it's it, watching it, it's painful, but it's also like these guys are have big balls to walk out there right. to a stadium full of people and open with this song that no one's ever heard, no one cares about. It is not a stadium They haven't song. even like worked it out no. yet, totally. Joey on the drums doesn't quite know it. Right. It's, they play like, I think they play Losing My Religion eventually. They, but they, yeah, they eventually get to a couple of hits. They open with like, like three up songs. Yeah, which end up has not come out yet. And R.E.M. has not toured in like three, four years. They've been yeah. away for a while. It was courageous, but ultimately, I thought you were going to say crazy. <laughs> it was. It was. But it was it, it courageous. Didn't end up quite landing in the way they wanted. So right. I think it it 
affected their confidence a bit because right. then they had to go back to the then studio. Then they go back to the studio and they don't and, – and basically what I read uh, that Peter Buck feels in retrospect about the album is uh, not quite finished – they there were certain songs that he would play for people and everyone would say this is going to be your best album ever and then they just never finished them uh-huh and 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 so that's that's where we are mm-hmm. so that was airport man um the opening to the record i yep. think it's interesting i don't know that it's a it deserves to be 4 minutes yeah i think it's it serves its purpose which is this is what we're doing as a song it's you know it right it's it's an interesting. I don't know thing. that it's the best opener for me personally, but but I, I would have to agree with you. Okay, so let's go to track two. Then this is like after you've set the table. Hey, here's your amuse bouche. Here we go. Uh, this is the this is track two. This is Lotus. That's Barrett Martin playing drums on Barrett that Martin, song, I believe. Who, by the way, uh, Bill Barry, he ended up hanging out with REM guys in Seattle or somewhere or uh-huh. something, and and everyone was like, "Are you back in the band?" Right, and he was like, "No, no, no Barrett Martin's their new drummer." Like oh, he, he yeah, he like was quoted as saying, "Barrett Martin's the new drummer," oh, uh, and and he wasn't, of course. Yeah. They never had an official uh, but drummer. Joey Warnaker did he, the first couple tours. Yes, he. They ended up liking him so much on the Tibetan Freedom concert that they ended up using and him and he's using on, him on the record on some songs here yes. somewhere. Yeah, they brought him in after that to to play on the record. Yeah. Um. So Lotus, what do you think of Lotus? And, I, what, and what did you think then? And what do you think now? At, at the time, I I loved it, but I was also like, "Wow, these are new sounds for these guys." What is what what well, sound do you think is new? Well, there's obviously a lot of keyboards in there, but right. also the Mike vocals. Mills, by the way, started because Peter Peter Dollar Bill played most of the bass before Mike Mills could get there in mm-hmm. the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So Mike Mills ended up just playing a lot of keyboards yeah. on the record. Yeah, um, I love the vocal sounds on this. It's very 
different for them. That's uh, kind of my issue with is. the song. It's the first rock. It's like the first real song. Yeah. And I was like, okay, good. There. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's some drums. I have two. I've I have two problems with it as like the first song song yeah. on the record. Yeah. The double tracking of the vocals. Yeah. Um, he's doing it in two different. Yeah. Uh, he's doing it an octave apart. He's uh-huh. doing like low. It kind of sounds like Bob Dylan when he fucked up his voice a little bit. I was uh-huh. like, his voice sounds different. It sounds a little more gravelly. Yeah. The low end, sir. The low does. end yeah. did. My other issue is, is I kind of feel like the chorus is a pre-chorus and it needed a uh-huh. a chorus that differentiated itself melodically from Opened the verse a, a little more. more. Yeah. yeah. Went up a little higher, you uh-huh. know, because right now most of the notes he's using on both the verse and the chorus are in the same mm-hmm. sort of octave of da 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 you know it all kind of sounds a little samey for me. Yeah. Um that said I don't I think the song's okay. I just don't know whether it's the first it should be the first right. Um yeah. I think the vocal the thing that really struck me about the vocals on this it was so different was how soulful he was letting it get. Yeah, it's, the lyrics, uh, you know, are very like they almost are like U two lyrics. Fir- in it's a way. their first self referential lyric with the dot dot dot, and I feel fine in there. Right, right, right. He's referencing it's the end of the world yeah. as we know it, and I feel fine. Um, so interesting. I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've always, I've always re- uh, liked Lotus. Uh, it's the second single. Second single. They uh, would open their shows with it on this tour. It, it is muscular. Yeah. Like these things. Yeah, muscles. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, so that's so, the kind of kicking it off there. All right. So track three then, we go to Suspicion, which is a five and a half minute song. Here we go. Back to the organ sound. the chorus mm-hmm. interestingly enough mm-hmm. suspicion 
Suspicion. Pretty low-key song. Pretty low-key. For number three. I, um, I gotta say, uh, not my favorite sequenced record yeah. that they put out. Suspicion. Yeah. Okay, so I had another one of my patented long car trips to Santa Monica uh-huh. <laughs> over the past couple of days where I was like, okay, gonna stretch out and listen uh, to, to Up, to up yeah. on the way there, on the way back. Um, yeah. uh, first three songs are very difficult for me to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was feeling like Suspicion also has maybe... My issue with the previous song, Lotus, where I feel the chorus is not a chorus. It's Mm -hmm. like maybe the pre-chorus leading Mm -hmm. to the chorus. You know how like the Cars or whoever, all sections of their songs, the verse, the pre-chorus, and the chorus, sometimes the bridge, they all could be their own hit single. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, and, and that's not all, that's not for every song. That's fine. You know, if like your verse is kind of da 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 or, or has more words in yeah. it, but you really want those choruses to be like yeah. big hummable things. Yeah. And this one is, is a little, um, it's kind of Burt bacharach in a way, the yeah. chord progression, the dun, dun, yeah. dun. I think the chorus is really <coughs> It's pretty. pretty. Yeah. Um, I, I I loved this song at the time. I thought it was really pretty and mm-hmm. really interesting. It, it's, it's interesting more than it, now. It's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's too long. Yeah, clearly. But there's something, uh, some third rail that's not quite there. Right. I think they feels really, a little. I think they feel really confident in it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put it. Which shows you how different this song was for them. Right. Um, that they put it up top like this. It. You know what? It almost feels like up top. It's there to be like, no, 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 no. We didn't get another drummer. Yeah. It. It almost feels like this album sometimes is a statement. The way it's sequenced feels like them saying like. No, 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 we're R.E.M. without Bill Berry. See, I thought it was weird. I always thought it was weird that Airport Man is this statement, and then they kick into Lotus, which is a And then they don't just keep going. Right. Um, So Suspicion is weirdly placed. I think it's a pretty song, and and I always liked it. I remember seeing it live at the uh, Neil Young Bridge School Benefit before Up came out, and they played it and was like, wow, this is a cool— Melody, um, and so I always liked it. Uh, I think, you know, I, I I think it's fine on the album. I would not have put it so close to the beginning. To the beginning, yeah. All right, uh, let's go to track four. This is hope. Sort of like that self. Thing that I was playing yeah. you where it sounds yeah. like children's instruments. Friday and you want to go forever. You know that it sounds childish that you dreamt of alligators. You hope that we are with you and you hope you're recognized. You want to go forever. You see it in my eyes. I'm lost in the Confusion and it doesn't seem to matter. You really can't believe it, and you hope it's getting better. You want to trust the doctors, their procedure is the best. But the last try was a failure, and the intern was a mess. 
You're trying to see through it And it doesn't make sense But they're saying don't be frightened And they're killing alligators And they're hard-tied and accepting a struggle Okay. So interestingly enough, this song does not have a chorus. Right, this, no this, chorus. This is four verses, and it's all written in the second person, yeah. uh, meaning you, 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 yeah, main, yeah, yeah. mainly in the second person. Yeah. At one point, he says, "I did, th- I yeah. did something." Yeah. So it's mainly, mainly second person. Um, I, I thought this song was really interesting. This yeah. is one. This is one where I'm like, I think the lyrics are very interesting. Yeah. I think the idea of doing a like using these sort of kind of really um, primitive instrumentation. Yeah. Uh, and it builds yeah. really cool. Like I think it's, I think it's a cool song. I will say, like in the sequencing of this, it's now been four songs that I'm like, oh god, yeah, y- you know, like the, the, it's not exactly what I'm looking for in an REM album. But um, I, but uh, but this is the first one where I was like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I love this song. Always, always have. Like this is. Like you said, this is really interesting. It feels vital, and it feels like they're really it's trying like, to say something. I, I would have put it closer to the beginning. Well, it's right. interesting. We'll talk about this on my resequencing of the album. I resequenced <laughs> just, it too. You did too. I sure. Oh, did. this is awesome. Okay, yeah. did you bring yours? I sure did. Okay. Oh, I love that. Okay, good. All right. Um, let's now go to track five. This is at my most beautiful. Oh, we should say Hope. They had to give Leonard Cohen a writing credit. Because it sounds similar to Suzanne. Yeah. They didn't have to. They did. Reminds me of Mouthful of Sores from Mr. Show. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. So, be- wait, you want to listen to the verse or no? Okay. Because it kind of started with the chorus. Right, right, right. Always listen carefully to awkward rhymes. You always say. So, for me, it's a little early in the record for a Beach Boys pastiche. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like a lot of bands do Beach Boys pastiches, mm-hmm. like Jellyfish, Ghosted Number One, mm-hmm. or Dukes of Stratosphere, um, Pale and Precious, or like Tears for Fears. Um, Brian Wilson said, you know, but they're usually a little later in the 
record. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I mean, if you're jacking someone's style so hard, I don't know why it's like the fifth song on the record, but, you know, it's pretty. I feel like it's, yeah, it's definitely a Beach Boys, a a nod to the Beach Boys. But I I mean, it's more than a nod. It's like literally taking all of their instrumentation and vocal style and doing what they did. I don't know about what he's what Michael Stipe Michael is Stipe doing. sounds different because he's Michael Stipe yeah and, yeah. and he's doing something but listen to these absolutely that's all very Beach Boys very like barbershop quartet-y kind of uh, yeah but you but know I think yeah. it's infused enough with R.E.M.'s yes no I mean, R.E.M.ness any, that it's a new thing anytime anyone does these with maybe the exception of like Weird Al when he did the Beach Boys thing from off the deep end I can't remember the name of it like they're doing it in their style. Yeah, like yeah. Jellyfish goes to number one. I love that song. And it's got know. Beach Boys harmonies and yeah. stuff, but it sounds like them. So REM, it sounds like REM. I just, I, I don't know why it's like track five. Yeah. You know, but but a pretty song. Yeah, I, I really like it. And that's how it ends. This is the song they were playing on Party of Five. Did I tell the Party of Five story yet? Which one? Oh, no. I Where haven't you were done fired? That yet. No, tell it. I'll do it after we talk about the album. Oh, okay. Uh, this is track six, The Apologist. So, <laughs> excuse me. So that was the chorus. So sorry. So sorry. So yep. sorry. Um, kind of cool. Yeah. Um, maybe needs. Uh, it feels like it's missing an element. Yeah. I don't I, know. It's kind of interesting here. It's only four and a half minutes long. That's a step in the right direction. <laughs> um, I always. It's. This is catchy song and stuff I always it's one of the songs I felt like I was like what exactly are they even saying yeah you know what I noticed was it seems like Mike Stipe was influenced by Radiohead you know OK Computer comes out and is like basically looking at the modern world and technology Mm -hmm. and making a big statement and doing so sort of in character a lot of these songs are in character we've talked about them being in character before these are like songs in character of like I am the apologist yeah I'm sorry I'm sorry I am a day sleeper I sleep during the day yeah. I am an airport man I go around the airport you know like these are very much like tr- yeah but this one I'm I was always like so is it a sociopath and if so are you apologize I just wasn't sure so like the lyrics are the- they call me the apologist and now that I'm at peak you know at first it really hurt. We joke about these things. I've skirted all my differences, but now I'm facing up. I wanted to apologize for everything I was. 
So I'm sorry, so sorry, so sorry, so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, not sure quite what he's saying. Did you understand me right? The people here are good. They tell me what I should have done and offer what I could. I'm good. All is good. All's well. No complaints. When I feel regret, I get down on my knees and pray. It's It, it always struck me as a very melodramatic, like, big, big st- statement. I just wasn't sh- sure. Because it what is. It's like really broad. I get down on my knees and pray all that, but I just Is he wasn't saying sure. that apologies are good or are they bad? Have you ever know. said you're sorry? Never. Maybe that's why I don't like it. It was never a favorite song. <laughs> I can actually that. believe that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this is the next track. Uh, two more tracks on the first side. This is Sad Professor. If we're talking about love I have to tell you, dear readers, I'm not sure where I'm headed. I've gotten lost before. I've woke up stone drunk face down in the floor. Then back to the verse. This was the first song on my long car trip where I was like, oh, wow, he finally starts singing in his upper register, like, da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, yeah like a little more soaring melody. Live with everyone with their lighters yeah. or phones up or whatever. He's a sad professor in the song. Maybe yeah. uh, I read that it might be the professor um, who created Flubber. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's have to be sad. He would have to be sad about that. was a disaster. <laughs> it really was. I mean, sure, they put it on the bottom of their basketball shoes. Oh yeah, well that was a success. that was that was happy. That was the one moment he was happy. But they were getting greedy. <laughs> they really were. Um, I love Sad Professor. I also really like the live in studio version without yes. the electric guitar. We can play that a little later if you like. Uh, yeah, this is a. It like, was the first one that made me go, "Oh, that's something." Like everything before this, I was like, eh, "I don't know if this is a thing yet." Even hope. Hope you weren't. No, like, hope I hope I liked, but because there wasn't a chorus yet, I was a little like trying to find I'm just talking about first listening. Yeah. Trying to find my footing with this record. This is the first See, one. I have that. a whole theory about this record, which is it's it needs a resequencing yes. and it would all make sense more. Make yes, more I agree sense. because after the three times I listened to it, I was like, I got to resequence this thing. And I did, and then I get it yep. a little more. Yep. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Oh, I want, what if our resequencing is, is, is almost exactly, exactly What same. if it's exactly the same? Well, I took out two of the songs. I bet so you did I. What? This is exciting. Three. I took out three songs. I might have I done that too. I can't remember. Okay. okay. All right. This is the final song on track one before we take a break. This is You're In The Air.
I'm what you found. I'm upside down. You're in the air. You're in the air, and I'm breathing. Kind of a euphoric, yeah, sounding chorus. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. What do we think? Uh, not my favorite REM not, song. Not your favorite REM song. What is your favorite REM? We'll talk about that on our final episode. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. How about you? How about you? I, I, I like the chorus. It, it it again it feels like one of these half baked songs a little that where spend a little more time and come up with a real chorus. The chorus seems like a pre chorus to me again. Um you know. But uh I like I the instrumentation. Like when there are fourteen songs on an album, when it's not fully realized like how I feel New Adventures is fully realized, fourteen songs means everyone had favorites. People Everyone voted. Weren't quite getting along. Yeah, and didn't want to have the confrontation of cutting cutting a song. So and so's favorite, or I mean, like, like the this, guitar sounds great. Maybe it's Peter Buck's favorite because he's like, listen. I mean, the and the instrumentation and the it's strings. It sounds. I, it's just, but the but the melody is not there. I feel like yet. I feel like the whole thing is just. It feels like separate parts not quite getting mm-hmm. together. I yeah. I wouldn't have put it on that. Well, we're gonna go to a break. All right. When we come back, we're going to hear the downside. Um, is Does the downside offer redemption? We will find out after this on Are You Talking Is R-E-M? redemption even needed? Hey, everyone. Today's episode, this is pretty cool. I've been doing this over the past couple of weeks. It's brought to you by The Sound of Vinyl. The Sound of Vinyl. Now, the, uh, people listening to this show, I would assume, since we play so much music on it, you have to be music lovers. And this is a great new way to collect vinyl records, okay? Check this out. The Sound of Vinyl, it's not just a record, record store, all right? It's not just a record store. Anything can be a record store. You know what I mean? Uh, Amoeba, yeah, that's a record store. Uh, Tower Records certainly was. It was a chain of record stores. The post office it, it probably was a record store. But the Sound of Vinyl is not just a record store. Yeah, they have a website with over 20,000 titles for sale. But they also have an amazing recommendation service that can learn about your taste and offer personalized suggestions of records that you will love. Okay, check this out. Here's what happens. And I did this. I signed up for it. It works over text message. What they do is they text you with a vinyl offer, an offer for a vinyl record, and if you want to buy it, all you do is you just reply Y-E-S, yes. Now, it gets confusing when they when they offer you a text about the band, yes. That's the only time it's confusing, really. <laughs> and, it's, and they never do that. I have not received one offer for the band Yes. So it seems like they've taken care of this problem already. Um, you can even text back to chat with a real live human being who can f- help you find the perfect record. I did this the other day. They sent me, uh, uh, they sent me a bunch that I, that I already had. And I kept saying, no, no, no. And I personalized it. And they finally sent me something that I didn't have. 
John Coltrane record that I uh, was really interested in. All I had to do is I just went back, Y-E-S-E-S. Boom, they sent it to me. It's great. And then I went on their website, and they have, a, like like I said, they have thousands and thousands of 20,000 titles for sale. I got a Tribe Called Quest thing that I really liked. Uh, it's really easy. They also have exclusive limited edition color vinyl to add to your collection, which I was looking at the website. There's like uh, Beck's New Colors record and all sorts of different colors. Get special edition records from REM, huh? Weezer, The Beach Boys, Kiss, and more. There is no subscription fees, no commitments. Give it a try. Go to soundofvinyl.com slash REM. All right? Soundofvinyl.com slash REM to sign up for the text service and get $5 off your first record. It is fun. It's fun getting texts about records you want. Why bother going to the post office to do this, to look for records? It doesn't make any sense. Again, that's thesoundofvinyl.com slash REM for five bucks off your first record. Try it out. It's really fun. I think you'll like it. Are you talking REM Remy? This is the first song on side two. This is Walk Unafraid. As the sun comes up, as the moon goes down, there's happy notions creep around and me think long ago I was brought into this life little lamb a little lamb courageous stumbling fearless was my middle name but somewhere there I lost my way everyone walks down Walk Unafraid, first song with a pre-chorus and a chorus. <laughs> and all the better for it, I think. I love this song. This is a good song. I mean, it feels, something about it, something about the chorus seems maybe of the time or a little dated. The ding, 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 uh, something about it, but uh, I really I really like it. I like how there is drumming happening, yes. but it feels... Like you can't feels quite, new. You can't quite place if it's electronic or if there's Yeah, it doesn't someone. feel like Bill Barry. It feels like yeah. this is a new version of And it's it sounds like a arena rock song in put through this new weird electronic filter. Right. I really love it. It's a you know, obviously they played it every show since till the end. So. I will say that um in my long car trip I I was like, why is Basically, all of side two, side two. <laughs> what do you mean? Most of side two. I was like, most of side two should be side one. Right. Um, anyway, we'll get to our resequencing. Um, next track is Why Not Smile. By the way, no question mark at the end of this. Well, why not? So it's Why no it's, question it's, mark? It's, it's to be read, Why Not Smile? Instead of Why Not Smile? Why Not Smile? Why Not Smile? This is Why Not Smile? The concrete 
your phone To hear you speak of them I'd have done anything I would do anything I feel like a cartoon brick wall To hear you speak of it You've been so sad It makes me worry So, why not smile? Why not smile? What do we think of? I think it's a pretty song. Um, I I prefer the I prefer the other version. version. Yes, so much better. I think. I agree. Although I think this version is fun in that they're, they just start dumping all this instrumentation on it, mm-hmm. like really piling it on. It's a lot on. like taking a dump, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... And I like, like, I like the... What is that first instrument that comes on? Is that a harpsichord? It sounds a little harpsichord-y, yeah, yeah. I love that. It's That's, a lot like 60 songs that use the harpsichord a lot. Yeah, yeah. it pulls on my heartstrings for some REM reasons. Mm-hmm. And then I like when it kind of breaks down right where we kind mm-hmm. of turned it off there. Ba-bum, it starts bum, to build, bum, whereas bum. the Oxford American version, it sounds like a song all the way through. Yeah. This sounds like it's uh, not quite it's, getting going, not quite getting going, experiment. and it's a build song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's pretty, but I do, I do prefer the, the... All right. This is the next track. This is the first single off the album, Buried. At track 11, this is Day Sleeper. Mixed by Nigel Godrich of Radiohead uh, producing fame. Receiving department, 3 a.m. Staff cuts have socked up the overage. Directives are posted, no callbacks, complaints Everywhere is calm Hong Kong is present, Taipei awakes up Talk of circadian rhythm I see today with the newsprint Gray, my night is colored The classic REM sound, sort of. Yeah, the classic REM sound from two cycles ago. Right. 
Um, sounds, the acoustic especially sounds to me like Radiohead a lot. Um, really? From uh, like Ben's era, Radiohead. Um, Which they got from R.E.M. Okay. You're stewing here. You're uh, really upset. Um, I love Day Sleeper. First single. What did you think? Uh, I it it definitely was the first track where I was like, oh, thank God, some melody. Yeah. <laughs> um, it um, the the only thing I think about. It, okay, so like musically, one of my, it, probably my favorite song on the record. Lyrically, I sort of wish that Michael Stipe wasn't in his "I'm gonna sing songs in character" kind of mm. thing because I think it could be slightly more universal. He's singing. He's basically singing a song. He was, uh, I read, he was delivering a book of haikus to his friend. <laughs> and in his friend's apartment or something. And yeah. he passed by another apartment that had a note outside saying, day sleeper, please be oh, quiet. Right, right. And he was like, oh, this is a guy who works at night. And he felt really bad. He was wearing boots, like heavy yeah. boots. He's like, I'm probably waking this guy up. And so he decided to write a, char- a song in character of a guy who works at night at a security job yeah. and sleeps during the day. I think if it were about a more universal theme, it could have opened it up something akin to Everybody Hurts, where it's a little more about something yeah, more universal. So. But uh, I really, I really love it musically. I like the fables of the reconstructioniness of it. That it's about a weird subject matter, and you're not mm-hmm. quite sure what the hell he's talking about. Right. If the lyrics, like, if it were a little more like Fables era mumbly vocals, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't be able to tell what he was saying, and you would be like what's yeah, he that's about me <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i like it yeah I, I love this and it was the first single <laughs> failed so, failed like sunk like yeah. a stone so after I, a week i listened to it over and over and over, over. put it on mixtapes yeah. probably talked to naomi what do you think about days like days yeah, yeah, yeah. is really it's really about us yeah. isn't it um next track is called diminished and this is a six-minute song, and this is next. Well, it's six minutes because there's oh, yeah, yeah. another song. But still, five minutes. I watched you fall I think I pushed Maybe I'm crazy, maybe diminished, maybe I'm Maybe I'm finished, maybe I blacked out How do I play this? I will give my best today I will give myself away I have never heard anything It's the off on the chorus that was the chorus no it wasn't they well the lyrics say it's the chorus no the chorus is what do you think the chorus is that was the pre-chorus and the chorus is coming up tell me when the chorus starts because I'm interested We'll mention to Oblique Strategies, our old friend Brian Eno right there, old sourpuss. Mm-hmm. 
This must be the singer, uh, the chorus right here, right? Maybe splitting hairs, but I don't consider that a chorus as much as a variation. It absolutely, on the is the chorus. Oh my god! the 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 pre-chorus is exactly the same both times, and then it goes to that on the second time. I consider I would I would consider that to be just a variation on the chorus. Um, okay, it's a different. All right, it, no, so it's I a guess different. It's, it's the chorus. All right, I'll agree with you. Just please don't hit oh, me. Oh, stop it! Please don't hit me. Stop please it. don't put your fist away. You are tr- you are pretending that I'm pretending far are, more upset than I am. Like retreating when I'm doing nothing. People love the fights on this show, Adam, and that's and that's you know, I mean, that's why people listen to things. That's for the not drama. A fight. It's our first fight, and it's adorable. Or like in the African Queen, our first quarrel. <laughs> oh, I guess I haven't I mean, seen Catherine, the African Queen. Catherine oh, Hepburn's and, uh, first quarrel. Do you do a bogey impression, by the way? I've always meant to ask oh, you. Oh, I mean, when am I not doing it? <laughs> by the way, you've put your glasses on behind your neck it all i was like what is is that like some sort of telemarketer microphone you know <laughs> when dudes with no hair put their sunglasses on behind their head like this yeah. have you ever noticed that well someone I, I read a tweet the other day that someone someone thought they were being stared at on a plane for like 10 minutes until they realized he was a bald guy who had put his <laughs> like sunglasses behind his head. What if it was not a bald guy with sunglasses on the back of his head? It was just a bald guy with no nose or mouth. <laughs> uh, what do we think of Diminished? Uh, well, you clearly don't like it. I think it's maybe the best song on the album. Ooh. I think it's, I mean, it is slow. It is low-key. And there may be too many low-key songs on this record Mm -hmm. but this as far as the like chamber pop thing goes that they're doing on this album i think this is uh the best of it it's beautiful it's a truly uh beautiful chorus that they had never really not the kind of thing they had done before i think it's uh, a great song i uh (laughs) excuse me i might like it if it were in a tighter record. Like if it was the, um, what's that song on Out uh, of Time that they all love? I, I want to say Cowboy something. Oh, no, what is Country it? Feedback. Country Feedback. Like right. it's, it's kind of the country feed- feedback. If it was surrounded by- More poppy stuff or yeah. something, I would be like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, my patience is a little worn thin. When it's song this, number uh, uh, 12. 12. By the way, uh, it's six minutes, but that's because there's a hidden song at uh, five minutes uh, called I'm Not Over You, which we'll play here. I right feel here. to save your feelings. Truth convened my head, smashed through the ceiling. I lost an arm. So this is Stipe with uh, an acoustic guitar. Yeah. First time he's played on a record or something, uh, acoustic guitar. I guess so. 
but just to like a little, uh, almost like a palate cleanser uh, of like, hey, here's a little, yeah, not fuck around necessarily, but a little like, hey, here's something. Here's, yeah. hey, here's something. Here's something. Hey, hey take here's, this. Here's something. Um, let's get to the last couple of songs. So diminished, your, your verdict on diminished is? I can't get into it. Yeah. But. I feel like you haven't listened to this record that much. Uh, I feel like I have. Yeah. Like how many times do you feel you've listened to this record? <sighs> Probably 340. Okay. Yeah. I don't think you've really Not listened enough. to this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll try, I'll try to do a little more. Okay. <laughs> okay this is Fails to Climb. No, this is Parakeet. Sorry, I forgot Parakeet. This is Parakeet. You wake up Fails to climb. Oops, sorry, falls to climb is what I meant. I'm not wearing my glasses, and you're making fun of me. This is what I don't like. I've listened to the album 340 times, and I still don't know it's falls to climb. I'm sorry. No, but this is Parakeet. This is Parakeet, I know. Ryan Adams really upset at me. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. Um, this is Parakeet. This is about a parakeet that Michael Stipe owned that, um, that died one day, I'm yeah, presuming. it died from flying out a window. <laughs> Open the window. Um. Into your dreams. You got that, uh, that keyboard sound that kind of, kind of jellyfish-ish, uh, to me. A lot of jellyfish references today. You know? When you're using this kind of like harpsichordy, I mean, this this was prime like uh, uh, like Beck was using jellyfish members. This is like mm. anyway. Um, yeah, what do you think of Parakeet? I mean, I I love Parakeet. I, I I do not know why they would put it right after Diminished, which is a really Too slow chamber slow-y. pop song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as a song, I think it's really great i it I, didn't make my resequencing oh it didn't okay but not because i don't necessarily like it i just didn't think it fit in with uh-huh. my resequencing uh-huh. um but i think it's okay yeah it is again chamber poppy like yeah. dink 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 yeah. can you tell me how to get how to get to sesame street it's like sesame street this is sesame street music um, by the way they appeared on sesame street to promote this record they did singing shiny happy monsters yep um so that's interesting all right this is a song called falls to climb and i thought it was fails to climb because i'm not reading it right and my right. and it's fine i have it you know right in the zone where i can read it which is about approximately two feet away away from my face and it, unfortunately i had it too close and the eye looked like an l you know or the l looked like an eye it's uh it's ironical it makes more sense. that earlier we were uh uh, admittedly ribbing about me not being able to read and then you make and a, then I make a the, mistake a terrible mistake but you have to admit fails to climb makes sense like I failed to climb that thing and it I strive for something and I failed to do it falls to climb 
Makes no sense. It's ridiculous! It makes no sense, guys. It makes no sense. So you're not going to understand this song, but we're going to play it anyway. <laughs> this is, it makes no sense. This is Falls to Climb. I'll take the position, assume the missionary part. You work by committee, you had me pegged from the start. I'll be pounced, phony, phony, moroni, phony before. I'll be pounced pony This ceremony only fills my heart Who cast the final stone Who threw the crushing blow Someone has to take the fall why not me? A punch toy mm-hmm. Again, a no drums. Yep. Kind of the interesting keyboards. Some drums come in at the end very subtly, but they do. Um, and this is the album closer. Album closer. I think it's a great closer because it's anthemic. It's it's a lot like Kira Sedgwick. It's anthemic. How no, a great like? closer. It's a great closer. Or Tom Selleck. Was he a from closer? the canceled <laughs> that you were in? Yeah, that we've mentioned. <laughs> that we've that mentioned I've told a few the times. same story about twice <laughs> on our show. Tell it again. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> God, <laughs> come on, uh, Daddy. Tell us oh, about here. the closer. They g- kind of picks up a little bit. The crushing blow. Someone has to take the fall Why not me? Why not me? All right. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I love Falls to Climb. I think it's a... a, Fails to Climb. uh, (laughs) Fails to Climb. I think it's a beautiful song, a great... Album closer, uh, you know, it sounds like that he might be talking a little bit about the band and Bill Berry leaving and them kind of, uh, kind of turning on each other a little bit, but maybe not. Maybe it's just as a character. But I, mm-hmm. I think it's an emotionally rich song. It's it feels like it could. It's uh, kind of an anth- one of their anthemic songs from yesteryear, kind of put through the electronic filter a bit. I love it. What do you I like think? it. I like it. I <clears throat> like most of the songs on here. I they're not ever going to be my favorite REM songs. They're songs I like. I uh, this album maybe would have worked for me a little more if they had had more stuff like Day Sleeper on it and it had yep. been half that, half the chamber pop stuff. But yep. I do feel like they were trying to say like, no, 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 we're different. We're different. Yep. We're not Bill Berry REM. We're doing something different. Um, so the uh, most of the album feels like. Album tracks, not mm-hmm. singles, to me. But uh, but I but I like it. I I definitely yeah. it's I like it. Let's rush through a couple of these B sides. These B sides are just uh, they're instrumentals. This is emphysema. 
Is this the stuff Peter Buck came in at 10 a.m. and did? Yeah, with I his think friends? so. Yeah. <laughs> this really sounds like Tuatara. Yeah, it does. All right, that's all we needed that. And then this is Surfing the Ganges. Again, more of the kind of... Yep. That's all we need to hear of those. All right, we've gone through them. All right, well... Tell you so. So we hear that sad professor live in the studio. Just I was I was going to play it in my album. Oh, okay. Okay. You want to do that? Uh, Yeah. What do you? How do you want to do it? Do you want to do it track by track? Yeah. Yeah. Each each separately, or do you want to do it one like concurrently? Concurrently. Concurrently. Okay. So, uh, should I go first because I have them uh, because I have them uh, queued up. And do you have yours queued up, or uh, uh, or I could you could just say what they are, I'll just and I can play, and I can play them. Okay, so for me, what I wanted to do was kind of make the album flow a little more melodically to my ear, going uh-huh. back and forth from the dirgy kind of stuff to the pretty stuff, and I also wanted to sort of start the album off with an interesting statement. So my track one is Hope. It's a good choice. Because I think because without a chorus, it starts, wow, this is an REM. Right. And it doesn't have a chorus and it's saying something. Yeah. And I feel like it's a great setting the table. It's making a statement, but it has a lot of energy. Right. I think that's a good, good idea. What did you do for your first track? My first song, because I felt like Part of having Airport Man open up the album, mm-hmm. it is a statement. But in a way, looking back 20 years, I feel like it's almost a little playing it a little safe in mm-hmm. that it's a statement without pushing out like a real song song. Right. It's, Agreed. It's not like How the West is One where it was like, right. wow, this sounds really different and the song is good. Right. So I, looking back, feel like I wish they would have just been like super confident and just said, this is us now. Check this out and opened it with Walk Unafraid. Walk Unafraid, which is uh, a good song. So let's hear. Uh, like, if the album opened like this. Like, holy shit. I'm, yeah. in, I'm in a guitar What's hole. What's going on? Wait, what is that? Is that electronic symbols? What by, is that? By the way, one thing I wanted to say about this song is the bass does, does a I've fallen on my bottom sound in the middle of it. Oh, the boom. <laughs> yeah, where it's yeah. like. Ooh, I fell yeah, on my bottom. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think both thematically, it's significant to start the album. And the drums don't like sound this. like real drums. Right. And it's a saying. big, anthemic, catchy yeah. song. Right. Start the album with it. I like it. Don't it's bury it. Don't Bill bury it. Don't Bill bury it. Interesting. I like it. Okay. okay. Um, number two. Number two for me, after Hope, because uh, if you remember Hope, I'm going to actually play the end of hope because it ends very like yes. in a cacophony oh how uh, me creating this playlist uh-huh. I, I listen yeah li- I, I had to I listen, listen to, to the it. end of the last song yes. so many times okay so this is how hope ends yeah it's and a then you build then you'll hear how it goes into the next song
That's cool. Okay. So this is song number two. This is song number two for me. Day Sleeper goes into now like, okay, we've done a grand statement. It's ended on a cacophonous But we're still R.E.M. We're still R.E.M., yeah. Okay. I get it. Can I can I see the thing because I want to do the same thing with my second song. I want to play the end of the song. Yes, you want to you want to see you want the chord. Yeah. Okay. Let me plug it in. Um. All right. Here you go. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) There you. I know it's coming, but (laughs) But still, still it's frustrating, isn't it? Um, okay, so we okay. So walk, walk unafraid, unafraid opens the walk, record, and we're gonna hear the end of Walk Unafraid. This yeah. is like, this is what we enjoy. We enjoy Adam and I enjoy putting together playlists. Yeah, and just I still do it. I put together. By the way, I put together after we talked about American Music Club last week. Yeah, I put together a two disc best of American Music oh, Club, Mark awesome. Eichsel, and I was like figuring out the. It's the, so fun. Yeah, it's so okay, fun. Okay, here's the end of Walk Unafraid. Okay. Big statement, opening the record. That's interesting. It's electronic, but it's still like a song song. Huh. Mm-hmm. Hope. Hope is number two. Okay. So it's like, yeah, w- this is different. This is still different. It, still not not uh, drums. Yeah, but it, sound, of, yeah. it sounds like it could be an arena rock song and then hit them with this. It's like, yeah, right. we are. Like, really lead with the differences. I get it. I get it. Interesting. Interesting. I like it. All right. I like it. Nope. I got it. <laughs> I was able to snag it. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm playing with my dog where I'm like trying to pull I the know. thing and they're trying to get it away from me. Okay, so after Day Sleeper, which is really pretty and uh, ends on a pretty note. Do, do, do I want to do the same thing? <laughs> I don't know. This is going to take No, this for is going to take forever. Ever. So I'm just going to go into track three. Okay. The Apologist. So it goes into minor key. Yeah. Uh, Okay. The Apologists. All right. What uh, What do you think of that? I like it. I did not keep Apologists. You didn't keep Apologists, no. but yeah, I think it's interesting. So, okay. Yeah. What's tra- What's track three for you? For me, after Hope, which is after uh-huh. Walk it ends on that cacophony and Hope, which are both v- lots of energy. Yes. Number three, I feel like it's appropriate to take it down. Mm-hmm. But the song I feel is like the best one that gets really buried on the album. Is diminished. So diminished. That's number three for diminished me. is number three for you. So after that, it, it ends on that big long cacophonous thing, and then we go into diminished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After all of that chaos, you get this stark, slow, stark Tony yeah. Stark almost. Yeah. But I would not keep you I'm Not keep, Over You right, right, at the right. end of it. Got I would it. put it somewhere else on the album. I, I have done that already. You so, have? Yeah. Okay. Okay, interesting. Maybe for me, not peppy enough for track three, but uh-huh. but interesting. Okay. But uh, You Are the Everything is number three on green, and it's perfect. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I'm. You listen to mine, and I'll listen to yeah, yours, by sure. the way. Um, and, I'm, and we want the listeners to also listen to both yeah. of these and let us know what you like. For sure. Okay, so for me then, uh, after The Apologist, which is minor key, yeah. uh, I then have done track four is... Okay. Lotus, Upbeat. Uh-huh. Not like the best rock song, like Day Sleeper to me, uh-huh. but like good enough to put it up near the top. I like this. I am concerned for your playlist. I'm Why concerned that? that you're using up all the energetic songs up Okay, top. yeah, I get it. What do you have for number four? Number four, after Diminished, which is this slow, uh, introspective 
Uh, yep. Song at my most beautiful is next. At my most beautiful is next for Adam. Some which, sunlight and yeah, happiness. some daylight, some happiness. Oh, cool. All right. Still a little early in the record for me for the Beach Boys. I disagree. I think it's its own thing enough. Okay. But I think also after that opening, it's nice to have, because this is the first song that's analog, really. Right. After those. I said right, but I don't know what you mean. Um, (laughs) Like, rate not electronic. (laughs) Oh, got it. Okay. uh, For my next one, after Lotus, I'm going with You're in the Air. So we've heard an upbeat, poppy. Uh Now I'm going for a minor key, but pretty chorus. You may not have used this one. I did not use this. You did not use this. Okay, what is your next one? After After At My Most Most Beautiful, Beautiful, another um, slower song. I'm I'm putting in Why Not Smile, Oxford American version. Which is my next track. Uh Uh-huh. So let's hear it. So it's like At My Most Beautiful and that together are like old school REM. Yes coupling let's hear this because we didn't play it and i consider this to be the end of side one as do i but i put it next okay yeah yeah. because i used uh 12 songs i'd have done anything i used 11 okay so this is the end of our both of our side ones yeah it's a great side one ender yes Okay. Side two opens on yours. Side two opens for me with... Okay. Walk on Afraid. Okay. Which See, I think I sound- still feel like this is getting too buried for th- as good a song it is. I feel like it's... I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it as more of like typical vinyl side yeah, one and yeah. side two where you put a really strong kicks song. Off. Yeah, it kicks off side two. Uh, what is your what is the opening of your side two? Lotus. Lotus is the opening of I th- a very similar. Yeah, we're doing yeah, a yeah. very similar, similar thing idea. where we're starting it off with something interesting. Sure. All right. For me, then after Walk Unafraid, I then am going to. Sure. Suspicion. This is my next song too. This is your next song too. Yeah. Wow. So our side twos are very very yeah. similar. Uh, you gotta have this has to come after a, an energetic yes. song. Agreed. But this is the perfect placement for suspicion. Yes. Like song number eight or whatever it is. Agreed. Like it needs to it needs to breathe. And it it flourishes here. This yeah. song this song succeeds. It succeeds in this. here, yes. Yeah. It doesn't succeed as track three. No. Yeah. Agreed. All right. I am then going, I wonder if it's gonna be the same for you. This is the third song on the second side for me. Yep. Sad Professor. Wow. But this is the live in studio? I didn't do the live in studio, but I... Me neither. But uh, I tried it with live in studio, and it was just too mellow. It's a little too mellow. I agree. But this is is great right after Suspicion, because Suspicion is... Yeah, this sounds very melodic after Suspicion. Then I go to, this is my next one. I go to okay. my most beautiful here. What did you pick? Uh, next for me after Sad Professor is Parakeet. Parakeet, which I did not use, uh-huh. but I appreciate it being here. Mm-hmm. 
on yours. I'm not. I can't find it, but um, yep. Okay. And then I go at after at my most beautiful. I then go to. Ah, uh, I put I put I'm not over you right here after sad professor after sad or after at my most at beautiful. my most beautiful. Okay. <clears throat> That's nice. It's just a little palate cleanser. You yeah. you may have put it. I did not similar. You didn't even put it in, but you might if you rethink it. You might I would put, put it, it in somewhere. Okay. So what is what is after? Uh, so the what is after set professor? Wait, can for we you? can we just play parakeet real quick just to oh, get yeah. the? Vibe? I'm sorry, I was trying to find it, but um, I got to go to a different playlist because I didn't put it on that one. So you left out airport man and parakeet. No, I haven't left out airport man. Oh, uh, I left out parakeet and diminished. Got it. So this is actually very similar to the Beach Boys feel of At My Most Beautiful. So I feel like we're on the same wavelength Uh here for side two. And this being not being paired with Diminished makes this song feel Feel way more energetic. I agree. Than it was. Um, So after after Parakeet, Parakeet, then what? uh, The penultimate song for me is Day Sleeper. Got it. Got it. So you go to Day Sleeper. Because I also think Falls to Climb can't be have two low energy songs piled on top of it because it doesn't distinguish itself yeah, enough. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So having this this you rousing go, single, you go day sleeper and then you go falls to climb. Falls to climb is next for me after the palate cleanser of I'm not over you. Okay. So we both go right into falls to climb and is this where you end the record? Yes. I think this is a, like I was thinking of Find the River. Find the River is a great album closer, but what mm-hmm. was the song before it? It was Night Swimming. It's Night one swimming, of the yeah. classic Pute, songs. Beautiful, pretty. So I thought Day Sleeper being the song to kind of clear the way for this big closer makes this shine a bit brighter. So I just about ended the record here, but then I thought, what if I tried this and I put Airport Man at the end? Interesting. Saying like, Goodbye. Goodbye, we've been Aria. That's really interesting. Goodbye. It's mellow. It's like... That's really interesting. So interesting. I think we're both on the same kind of wavelength. We've taken different choices. Yeah. But I, f- I, I feel like we have. Uh, you know uh, what bums me out a little bit? What's that? Is that you, you, the two songs you left off, diminished and parakeet, are two of your favorites? Yeah, but I feel like they're, they aren't. They're, it was kind of given a disservice at the placement in the album mm-hmm. and made you feel like they're. Again, kind of, it's all kind of a wash to you. At diminished that point. is maybe the one that I'm still not sold on. Parakeet, I think, is a good song. I yeah. just left it off because I was yeah. like. I wanted to keep it at 50 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, I think mine's even shorter than yours. Yours is shorter, yeah, yeah. 49 minutes. Yeah, so mine's at 49.57 or something like that because I put the Mike Stipe minute-long song in there. Well, mine's in there too. I didn't take it off. It's after Diminished. I just didn't have Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. But, but you would have put it somewhere else? Yeah, I don't know where. Okay. But think, what, what, what's the... Oh, you kept Airport Man. I kept Airport Man. Because yeah. I took Airport Man... You're in the air and the apologist off. Right. So interesting. I think we both. I I I view yours as a success. Yes. Uh, I view, as do I yours. So these are both interesting. Listen to both of them out there and let us know uh, which you think is more successful, or if you think the original album is more successful. Yeah. There are um, a lot of people that 
feel this. Is, I, I know at the time that it came out. Some I, people think this is their best album. Yeah, I, at the time that it came out, I thought it was their best album. I felt like this was music I had never really heard, but it was all new sounds for me. Right. I loved it. And I do love it. I do think that there are, uh, there's masterpiece in there. Um, it's, it's difficult to get into. Yeah. It rewards repeat listens. Right. It's a really complicated. Listen to messy, it more than 340 times. Yes. And you'll get it. And you'll get it. Um, well, I think, I think this was an interesting one. Again, I don't know that I will return. I don't know. It's hard to say if I will, like, if any of these songs would end up on my top 40 uh-huh. REM songs. I don't okay. know. I'll have to listen to it more. But uh, I mean, that's the difference is I've been listening to it for, for 20, 20 years, years. Yeah. And you just kind of grabbed it. <laughs> just kind of grabbed it. What are we doing here? Well, I, I just mean like you just kind of started listening to it like oh two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, very interesting. I think we found some sort of consensus, which I'm happy about. I'm happy about that you're not going to storm out of here um, <laughs> upset at me for the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what we're going to do next week, but uh, it's it's going to be a hell of a ride. Oh man, whatever it is, what, should we say what we think we might do? Well, we well, I don't know if that'll be next week. Next week, though. Got so, it. Got um, it. but we yeah. So you know, because we're recording in advance, we don't know what the release order of these is going to yeah. be. But uh, I hope that you stick around for it because we've had fun doing this. Um, and I I know the irony. Everyone talks about the irony of us saying these albums are too long, and then we're putting out like. Two and a half hour, three hour it's long so podcast. We have no right, but to, we enjoy doing this. Yes, um, it's so fun. And uh, Adam, it's always great to see you. You too, buddy. And uh, let's end it with a little bit of the Sad Professor live uh, in the studio version. And we'll see you next time. And until then, we hope that you found what you're looking for. Bye. Hey, Queeros, it's me, Cami Esposito, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, Query. You can sit in on hour-long conversations between me, Cameron Esposito, and some of the brightest luminaries in the LGBTQ family. Query explores individual stories of identity, personality, and the shifting cultural matrix around gender, sexuality, and civil rights. Plus, it is fun. We have had some incredible guests. Uh, Emmy winner, Lena Waithe? Yes, definitely. Congressman Mark Takano? You bet. L Word creator, Eileen Shaken? Yes. President and CEO of Glad Sarah Kate Ellis? We definitely have. We've got celebs. People like Trixie Mattel, Evan Rachel Wood, Tegan and Sarah, the band and the people separately on two different episodes. We also have activists and change makers in our community. I think it's a one of a kind show full of chats you have never heard before. It's identity, it's community, it's query. You can find query every Monday on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.